Hey everybody, welcome to our 20 million download Q&A extravaganza. Uh, if this is our fourth Q&A series. We did one for the Breaking Bad Kickstarter in the Protozoan era of Bald Move. We did a 5 million celebration, a 10 million celebration, and now 20. So logic would dictate 40 million, maybe 50. Let's just go for 50, a Diamond Jubilee uh, extravaganza. Yeah. Uh, will probably be the next one. Uh, if you like this kind of content... Uh, and, and, and you'll excuse my blatant pitchmanship. We do this pretty much every week on uh, Lunch with Jim and Aaron. This is essentially Lunch with Jim and Aaron. So if, if you like this kind of thing, uh, maybe join the club, club.ballmove.com. Uh, what? Should we get started? Do we have a preamble? Do you want to, like, oh, we should say about the date, why this is a significant date. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a question about that, maybe. Right. Somewhere in the list here. But, it yeah, is. apparently... Uh, somebody wrote in and said, hey, guys, this is the... It's Graham. Graham is the one that actually did research we didn't even know about. Right. He, he wrote in and said, hey, guys, this is the 10-year anniversary of the first podcast that I ever did called Power Play. Uh, the first radio. episode of that was released October 12, 2006, a full decade ago. My God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we decided, you know, we got a lot on our plates right now, but the Q&A podcast seems to be... Uh, the thing to do to yeah. celebrate the anniversary, both both the anniversary and the twenty million downloads. Yeah, so. it's uh, the, the the stars have aligned. You can't you can't plan for this shit. Well, you could yeah. if we were a better podcast organization, we probably would, but we don't. So thanks for Graham for uh, giving us the idea. Uh, October twelfth, yeah. two thousand six, first episode of Power Play. I believe that's still available if you search around for it. It's out there. Yeah. So if, search Power Play, all one word. You might find it gong, somewhere. Gong Radio. Right. Uh, all one word. Right. It wasn't called Bald Move back then. Nope. Nope. Uh, so let's get right to the Qs. And we got the A's. Noel from Dallas. Uh, curious about your celebrity crushes. Maybe a top five or something. And it doesn't have to be for purely physical reasons. It's okay if you don't want to do this topic because it might be objectifying. We're just curious as to what type of women y'all are into. Thank you. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily objectifying women to talk about what you find attractive. Um I mean, if you want to hear objectifying pot, uh, women, you should listen to our uh, geek women geek drafts. Babes. Geek, geek babes. babes, yeah. Draft from uh, the old uh, what the hell Blue Yonder podcast we did. Like we've 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 yeah. we've grown a lot as as people uh, in these past five and ten years. So um, I don't know who wants to go first. Maybe we should take. Maybe we should. Trade off. off here, yeah. All right. I want to go back with my OG crush. This is the one that I first, like, I mean, there was others like Aaron Gray from Buck Rogers, but I was like five years old, and it's it's more like this girl's pretty in like, you know, the kind of uh, a, a teacher kind of way. Mm-hmm. Like, you'd like to hold her hand. Uh, yeah. But like the first time I was like in a movie theater, and I was like, whoa, I was 11 years old, it was 1987, is Adventures in Babysitting, Elizabeth Shue. Okay. And I that's think fair. I that's still like I still she still does it for me. And that's weird yeah. because um I don't necessarily like I, I don't this gentleman does not prefer blondes. Mm-hmm. Um I mean I I don't know that I like hate them although exhibit A Gwyneth Paltrow. Um but but it's just like if I look back at my dating history, I think blondes make up 5 less than 5% of that population. But the OG crush, the first time uh, young Aaron felt like a man, was watching Elizabeth Shue. Okay, uh, I'm I'm also going with a blonde, which is kind of odd for me. Uh, oh, really? It, you got the other? You you also have an anti blonde bias? Yeah, I'm more I'm more of into the dark hair. But right. uh, 
Everybody knows if they've listened to this, it's Scarlett Joe. Come on. Number one, Scarlett Johansson. Without the spider head. That no spider head. Yeah, the, no the stock. The stock. Yeah. The original. Uh-huh. All right. What the... You can't go wrong. I mean, I saw her in Lost in Translation. It was just like, okay, yep. Yeah. Yep. Huge crush. I mean, she... Was... You, she yeah, like, they did... There's a very uh, stunning introduction for that character. It was. Yeah. And, and also... Uh, Wasn't she, like, the 17 actress. in that movie? Mm, I don't know. You were probably, I was, I, yeah, I think I'm exactly her age. Ah, okay. So, so it's not creepy. Well, <laughs> I guess I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, like I said, um, you talking about Elizabeth Shue when you're 11 years old is a little creepy. She was way older than me, though. Was she old enough to date? I don't think so. Oh, come on. Of course she was. Adventures in Babysitting? She, was she like eight, must she have been like be, 16. No, she was, I think she was yeah. a co-ed in college, wasn't it? That was what? the whole deal. I mean, I haven't seen Adventures in Babysitting in 20 years. I, anyway. I've never seen it. So uh, My next is Kate McKinnon, um, who is also a blonde and is a lesbian. And she's mm-hmm. a featured performer on Saturday Night Live. And you might have seen her in the new Ghostbusters reboot. Um, I just think she... It's funny because I, you, Saturday Night Live has always had a really good stable of funny women, you know, Gilda Radner and Sherry O'Terry, and I'm probably even a whole bunch of classic uh, cast members off. Um, and this, I feel like, is is their their best kind of cast yet. Um, I know that's you know some people like like to hate on Saturday Night Live, but I think she's just hilarious. Just mm. she can play dorky. She can play super freaking hot she can play brainy she can play dumb she can play like hill jack like she's just got this huge range of characters that she can inhabit she does fairly good impressions when she's called upon to do it and i just i i just got huge unrequited obviously we we stand aside a, a giant yeah, sexual attraction goal you no no not <laughs> not in any kind of shape or way but i i just yeah. really really admire what she's doing and i'm I'm getting nervous because uh, I feel like her days at Saturday Night Live are just numbered. She's going to blow up into a big star, and then she's going to Will Ferrell it up. Then you're not going to see her every week. I'm going to see her every week for free. I'm going to have to start paying. Mm. That changes the money changing hands, changes the nature of one's relationship. Yep. Uh, I also picked someone I find funny uh, for my number two, but not not in exactly the same way. She's not like super diverse in her abilities or anything, but Mary Kish from GameSpot big crush on her i don't even know who that is yeah i figured most people probably don't but she's uh she's very cute that certainly helps but she i don't know something about her personality she's really funny she's uh she tries a lot of things like she comes on the show and she'll talk about oh i tried this this week and right not like necessarily super adventurous stuff but always kind of tinkering right with, with things and i i like that a lot uh live tyler I don't know why. Oh, I, really? Yeah, and it's like, you know, I get it that she's uh, played a, a very complex, villainous, perhaps, role in The Leftovers. Right. Um, but I don't know. There's just uh, something about her. Like, I, 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 Before that, she played the villain in Armageddon. I mean... <laughs> It wasn't, but I don't know. It's arguable. If it wasn't for her animal cookies, uh, the planet would be doomed. Uh, right. I I don't know. Like I I always note. I, I remember her being in like the different Steven Tyler videos. Um, with wasn't she was Alicia's in the, the, the Yeah, yeah. And the, you know that was like a big um, you know formative moment in in my adolescence. Uh, yeah. And then I really kind of paid attention to her. She was in that thing you do. Mm-hmm. Super cute. And then in Lord of the Rings, like, she became, like, this almost, like, I don't even want to date her or have sex with her. I want to protect her from other other men. 
Like I want to defend. Okay. I want to defend her honor. Like when she comes behind that pale green banner at the end, presenting herself to Aragorn, I was like, like yeah. Uh, I, I I I can't explain it. She's uh, all right. I mean, you don't have to explain all your crushes. You know, yeah. sometimes you just like it's a somebody because you like somebody. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's something about him. Uh, She's my adult. I just want to hold her hands and, and maybe steal a kiss or two. <laughs> I don't think I'm worthy of her. Here's one that I don't think a lot of people are necessarily going to understand. Katie Sackhoff. I, Fire, or, Firefly. Starbuck yeah. from Battlestar Galactica, the remake. Uh, you know, I never saw what you thought or uh, what, what you found attractive in her. And then I remember when I watched the first season of Battlestar Galactica, a couple episodes in, she grinned. And I'm uh-huh. like, ah, yes, okay, yeah. I see it. Like, yeah. she's There's kind something... Of, just something about her spirit. I don't, it is. It's it's more of a spirit thing than anything. Yeah. Uh, but you know, also good looking. I I don't think I would be attracted to any of these people if they weren't. You know, the didn't have the fundamental. Sure. The the genes for it, right? Right. Uh, so controversial pick for me. Uh, number four, Kathy Bates. No. Uh, <laughs> oh God. I don't know. What did she look like when well, she see, was twenty? Kathy Bates also has a fairly passing resemblance to my mother. If they're at oh, the exact, yeah, if they're at can. the, if they're at the way, and it's like, yeah. So I just threw that in as a, a brain bleach for myself. Uh, Christina <laughs> Hendricks, right? I uh, first I, saw her on Firefly and thought, holy moly, with her like Amish space peasant routine, and then she became a kick-ass. I don't know what would you call her. She's not like a secret agent. She's just a, a ne'er do well. She's a thief. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, a, a liar, a galactic. Uh, she's a female Han Solo, a scoundrel. Yeah. There you go. She's a scoundrel, and then you know, of course, she gets a lead role in Mad Men. Um, she's done a lot of good work. Uh, I've seen her, but she was in Dri- um, Drive. You remember that? Was she? She was like a burnet, though. I'm pretty sure it was Drive. Oh yeah, yeah. She was a scoundrel in that. Yeah, I I don't know. I think uh, you know, I there's there's her charms are pretty manifest. <laughs> I right. So, uh there there you go. I'm I'm going with a redhead too for my number 4. Mm-hmm. Carrie Byron from Mythbusters. God damn it, that's Did I my steal it? that's my that's my fifth uh, pick. yeah, cuz I mean, come on. There's there's something about smart girls. Smart girls who like to do work, like yeah. to to do hard work in a a fucking like Oh, I'm going to build this thing. I'm going to heat up this metal and I'm going to sure. smash this shit. Like, yeah, I mean, she's an artist. She's just an fucking intel- cool. She's an intellectual. And she can fucking weld metal together. Uh, she yep. rocked a mean bikini in that Jaws episode where they went to the Caribbean. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Good, good, good choice. Um, <laughs> Which I guess that was your number five. I got, I got a five. Um, I'm going to go with, I feel like, because we're doing this fantasy football style. Uh, Are we? Okay. I, I'm going to go with uh, an ad, an audible. Um, Esme Blanc is the, the girl who plays Roz from Game of Thrones. I don't know nothing about her personality, but I... I, I the okay, redheaded Winterfell whore that didn't get yeah, yeah I don't it's it's Esme something or other uh, I don't I don't know anything about her I don't know anything about her personality but man her accent is whoa and also that is like I think is close to my definition of perfection as far as like just skin and body and <laughs> physical form all that stuff I mean not even this like just skin, the body your like, skin is yeah. so beautiful yeah I'm a skin guy <laughs> I'm a skin man I like your skin <laughs> <laughs> I want to wear it. <laughs> Uh, all right, what's your what's your five? I'm going on the opposite spectrum with the skin scale. Mm. Diane Reem from the Diane Reem Show. <laughs> okay. I can listen to that lady talk and interview oh, to sure. people all day long. Sure, man. if you got your mummy all fetish. Day. 
Yeah, right. It's because like I've been listening to NPR for like about fifteen years now, mm-hmm. and it's it. it uh, I don't know what this because it's. I feel like it's it's painful to listen to her show on when she's having bad days, like almost just oh, like right. can't you you can retire, can't you? Like. It, it sounds like it's hurting you to do this re- recording. Yeah. I don't want you to do that, Diane. This is, right this off is taking into, years had a off long, your life. You've had a long, distinguished career of putting up with these crazy people and their callers. And, and I the, think she's actually a really good interviewer, though. She is. Like, the points she makes she and the questions she asks are she really is. good. She is. And I, the, the, if how, she were 50 years younger, oh boy. Right, right. And how she can not just scream uh, at this point when people say, uh, I was just calling to say, like, Oh God, that's my number one pet peeve about NPR callers. Like, we know you just called in to say long time, first time, that sort of thing. I mean, that's fine. That's like just your 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 kind of you know, what we call cock. You know, the 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 blowjob, the blow blowjay, the cock sucking. Right. Like when and we tend to cut that out because I mean, I like hearing it, but it's not interesting to anybody else. But yeah, like that's just it's this weird verbal tick that they all have. I just wanted to call. It, of course, you did. Just, Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking right. Can, now, also, right? you're yeah. a human being. You breathe oxygen. You're carbon-based. You're uh, younger than me. Yeah. That's guaranteed. You have, what, copper-based blood? Like, I'd be, okay, like, well, uh, let's, let's get all the things that we know about you out of the way so you can ask your fucking question. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave W. from Hawaii wants to know, is it time to get ahead of the curve and podcast the first few wildcard books? Do you know what... I have no idea what so you're I, talking about. I've been about. tangentially aware of these because every time George Martin comes out with a new one, people bemoan the fact that he's doing that rather than Game of Thrones. But Wild Cards, I just, I'm going to read this from Wikipedia. Wild Cards is a series of science fiction superhero shared universe anthologies, mosaic novels, and solo novels written by a collection of over 30 authors referred to as the Wild Card Trust and edited by George Martin and Melinda Snodgrass. Excuse me, George R.R. R. Martin and Melinda M. Snodgrass. <laughs> Uh, this is Aaron J. Hubbard speaking. <laughs> Set largely during an alternate uh, history of post World War II United States, the series follows humans who contracted a wild card virus, an alien virus that rewrites your DNA and mutates survivors. Those who acquire minor or crippling physical conditions are known as jokers. Those who acquire superhuman abilities are known as aces. The series, which originated from a long running campaign of the Super World role playing game, game mastered by Martin himself and involving many of the original authors, the framework of the series developed by Martin and Snodgrass, including the origin of the character's superhuman abilities and card-based terminology. I think that sounds... I mean, you don't like superhero stuff, but I think that sounds pretty cool. The card-based terminology sounds real dumb. No, really? Aces and Jokers? Why would they call it the wild card? I guess it's because you just never... You don't know whether there's going to be a good thing or a bad thing? Sure. Aces and Jokers? I, I was totally out on this until I heard that there was some kind of, like... Tales of the Bounty Hunter connecting connective tissue right. for all these stories. Because normally I don't like anthology-type stories really? where you get a bunch of authors together and they kind of all do their own things. Uh, that, to me, doesn't feel very cohesive. But if, you know, if he's trying to frame it all within this one particular scenario, maybe that'd be cool. Yeah, I mean... I guess I'll I'll start paying more attention to it um, if I because I've always I got a stack of stuff I'm wanting to read right now I'm almost done with Killing Pablo because as soon as I got to finished with the season two of Narcos I immediately want to reread that book to see what was real and what was made up and what was fabricated. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, but yeah, if if I hear that HBO has optioned this, then I'll get real interested in reading these books. Until then, uh, I got a, a stack of other stuff to do so. Uh, Jared B. said, 
You mentioned in the last video sharing your tax returns and revenue and high-level budgets over the past few years. Curious if you're able to share. Most specifically, I've thought about uh, quitting my corporate job to do something I love, but I can't fathom how to make it work, especially with kids. Uh, have two under hmm. three at home. Would love to understand how you change the cash flow of your lives um, and how you live within a smaller budget. Do you have second jobs? Also, I'm curious how you'd rate your happiness now versus your happiness in corporate America. So I know your answer is going to be more involved than mine because essentially mine is I didn't change anything. Uh, you I definitely always, tighten your belt the first year or two. Well, I yeah, a little bit. I mean, I suppose so. But I've kind of always kept a low baseline as far as my costs. Mm-hmm. Like I have the major bills that I have to pay, and those are as low as I can make them. Um, and really my only like extreme expenditures – I guess is eating out all the time because mm-hmm. I don't do a lot of cooking. So yeah. uh, probably the majority of what I would have spent on other like things, like stupid things that people just sign up for. Right. Uh, I didn't do, and I don't have any kids. Mm-hmm. I didn't have like a significant other. It wasn't like, Oh, I got to go spend a bunch of money on a date night or anything like right. that. I wasn't dating at the time. So like I didn't, I didn't really change much of anything. Uh, so before I started doing podcasting, I got into, uh, Dave Ramsey's radio show because I had just gotten a divorce, um, and it kind of wiped me out. Like, uh, essentially my ex-wife got, uh, nearly all the assets and I got all the debt. Um, mostly because I felt pretty intensely guilty about the whole thing. Um, and I was in a vulnerable spot and I really let myself be taken advantage of, but that's fine. Um, I figured I can make it all back anyway. Um, but what I got was, um, I didn't have any real furniture. So like a friend gave me a kitchen table and a couch and my dad gave me something to sit a TV on. I got a, a $50 Magnavox 27 inch tube TV and I had an old PlayStation two that I had up in the closet so for like a solid year, I almost spent no, I had no cable. Um, I just read books and got stuff that I could get out of the library, uh, like DVDs and, and whatnot. And I borrowed, like, that's when I caught up on, like started watching the wire. Um, and you know, Dave, Dave Ramsey's philosophy is essentially if you're in debt, you should sell everything that you don't need. You should tighten your belt and go like on like an, you know that's like as far as budgeting. You got to you got to get on a budget and you got to devote a certain amount of money to paying down that debt. And you, you it's the snowball method. So I think you pay your smallest debts off first, or modified version, you could pay off your highest interest debts first. Um, but you want to pay off your kind of essentially your smallest uh, debts so that you can then take the payment you're making on that, apply it to the next largest, and that becomes a snowball. So you see that the reason that you do that is psychological rather than highest interest rate because you see progress being made. Like anything, dieting, financial dieting, it's all about willpower. And I, was, could, I, I figured I could live an extreme aesthetic lifestyle for about a year. And then, and my son was like two to three years old. So like he didn't like, you know, I had this big empty house and we like turned this living room into this, like this giant romper room. And we would just, you know, and I had, I lived on this one acre lot, um, that had a stream in the back and we camped back there. We did a lot of stuff that just didn't cost money. Um, but so Dave Ramsey's whole thing is like you, you live like some no nobody else, so that later on you can live like nobody else. Like if you can get out of your twenties and thirties debt free and have a you know a big retirement account, you are so far ahead of the curve. And I'd encourage all the twenty somethings out there 
Start contributing to your retirement accounts and start saving 5 to 10% of your income, and you'll thank me when you're 40. Um, because I wanted to take advantage. I, I never wanted to be in a situation where I couldn't take advantage of something. And I didn't think that adva- that situation would be this podcast. I thought it would be more like being, you know, being able to travel or being able to take up my dream job when Jack went to college or something like that. But getting out of debt, being debt-free, and stacking up some money enabled me to then – pulled plug it all into the podcast thing when that became an option and if i hadn't have done those things if i had let if i if i'd led that same lifestyle um i there's no way there's no way i would have been able to do this podcast because you know i've probably at least plugged fifty thousand dollars of my own cash into bald and when i say in the bald move i mean into my existence over the last three years so that i could do bald move full-time mm-hmm um, otherwise I would have had a second job and I don't, you know, I, I don't know that I could have kept the passion for everything going because right. I did have a second job for the first two years of bald move and we were just doing it as a hobby and it was a grind, man. Two podcasts a week just about killed me every year when I did it. Mm-hmm. So I remember every year you'd be like, I'm never doing this again. I'm never doing this again. And then the next year would roll around and, and you'd it, do it Game again. Of Thrones, Game of Thrones and Mad Men roll around at the same time. Like, God damn it. I guess I have to do them both. But, uh-huh. um, yeah. So uh, as far as yeah, having money to start with makes a little. You need that. Yeah, and I think is everyone should just be like get get debt free. Like that's that's as, as much as possible. Get debt free. It's the closest thing to true freedom you'll have as an individual. All right, I I agree. I totally agree. Uh, but like if you're wanting to start something, I say if you can, like mm-hmm. take the smallest chunk of that, the thing that you can do while you're while you're doing your corporate job, like you right. said, and try and turn that into some nugget of success mm. that you can then build on. And and you can have that as kind of a foundation to where you're not just going blindly into it, right? Right. Because, I mean, fact is most businesses fail. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're just taking a leap of faith, there's a good chance you'll fail. Not, not due to any of your own faults, sure. but just that's how it goes. Right. So the one thing that enabled us to do it, I feel like the biggest thing is that we were – we kind of built it while we were doing the the things that kept us fed. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, the first out of the five year, I guess, history of Bald Move, the first two we had steady paying jobs, good paying jobs too. I mean, that's one massive advantage. We were both in IT work and getting paid, you know, and and also living in the Midwest, which is about the cheapest damn place you can live. So we were getting paid kind of top scale uh, incomes, Midwestern incomes anyway, and living dirt cheap. So. Um, you know, if you're living yeah. in, in areas that are more expensive and you don't have as, as, as high an income, that's all going to be harder. and It's going to take longer time. It might take you five years instead of one year to, to, to do the, the, the prep. But yeah, we've been doing this professionally for two and a half years right, now, Right. but bald move, we've been doing bald move for six and a half. So right. like that shows you how much prep we put in sure. at the beginning to kind of get the ball rolling. But the other thing is like, if you've got, I, I, you say you have kids, but I'm sure if you have a spouse or a significant other, I mean, that's the other thing you have to have them kind of on board with you because I tried to do this Dave Ramsey shit when I was still married. And I was just constantly sabotaged by my spouse because she just didn't fundamentally agree with the budget and didn't want to live that way. And right. you know, yeah. like if it, and also like I, I don't know that it's even fundamentally fair for one person to unilaterally say, hey, we're just going to cut our expenses in half because, right. like, you know, uh, if it's truly a partnership, that yeah. you, you shouldn't be able to do that, you know? Um, so 
that's a big, you know, if you, if you don't have a partner on board with you or like if your kids are older and they're going to give you a bunch of static, like that's, you know, but hell I was, you know, I'm, I'm 40 now. Like I would, if, if, if I sometimes think like what had happened, what would have happened if we'd gotten in this as young 20 somethings, like if we had right. done this in college or something and everything would have been so much easier, but it's, it's never too yeah. late. And as far as happiness, I, there's no comparison. Right. I mean, I wasn't even unhappy in my old job. At yeah. worst, I was bored and sometimes frustrated, but like, you know, working for yourself and we don't really, I mean, we do have customers, but they're you guys and you guys seem to mostly love us. And when you're unhappy with this, it's for valid reasons. Uh, and, and like, uh, so yeah, I've been in business with myself before and, and I never felt like I was this free as I am now because I had clients that had deadlines and there was all that pressure still. Whereas here, as long as I could do the podcast, uh, that's, you know, uh, and I enjoy doing the podcast and I enjoy watching the stuff that I'm watching. It's, it's pretty sweet. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> no, definitely sweet. Uh, yeah. Um, anything else to say? Nope. Brian S. Have either of you watched the Vikings? And if so, how do you think it compares to Game of Thrones? It's hard to find podcasters that watch both. So I was just wondering, um, I don't watch the Vikings, and it's hilarious because that's the only show my father regularly watches. Um, okay. So, like, my dad has never listened. He's only listened to one podcast. That was the Goonies podcast I did with my son. And it was only because he wanted to hear what my son had to say about the Goonies. He, mm-hmm. I'm chicken liver. Um, so I can't I, – unfortunately, I can't do that. Now, I know that, like, it, um, uh, I always recommend the No Ship Network. Uh, you can go to the noship.net. Their podcast is called The Wild Hunt. It's M, Steve, and Paul. We've spoken to M several times. Um, I think she's doing great work as a podcaster, and I've heard I've, a lot of people have recommended that show have, have thanked me for it. So, um, and I I know that she also watches Game of Thrones. So you might want to ask her. Um, I've talked to my dad about it, and it seems like it has a lot of the same kind of gonzo gore and you know maybe sex to some extent. Mm-hmm. But um, I've yeah. never seen it. I just have to like I. I already watch so much television that I just don't have time to watch as much. Like, if, if I got rid of Bald Move, I'd free up a lot of hours to watch other television. But unfortunately, it's it's a sweet gig, and I don't want to lose it. And you'd be destitute. I'd be destitute. I'd probably be a prostitute. Um, Tara D. I've always had a fascination with conspiracy theories. The more absurd, the better. I love the ones that are so crazy that you wonder how anyone believes it. But I also love the ones that make you think that there could be some truth behind it. Most recently, I read a theory that Hitler did not commit suicide and that a body double was used and Hitler lived out his days in a bunker in the Antarctica or ended up in Argentina. It's pretty crazy, but it could have some truth in it being that our Americans and the British never got to verify the existence of his body. My favorite conspiracy theory, though, is the one that Lindsay Lohan had a twin sister who played the other role in the remake of The Parent Trap. The twin was killed in a car accident prior to the film being released and Disney not wanting to cast a Paul on their film paid off the low hands or pretend like Lindsay never had a twin and that she played both roles. This is absolutely batshit crazy theory, but hilarious that some people actually believe it. I'd hope that no parent could be brought out to pretend like their child never existed. Plus, like, there's birth certificates. I know. The, certificates the and... evidence would be overwhelming yeah. that she had a twin. Like, Disney's powerful, but not that powerful, I don't yeah. think. Um, my question is, what are your favorite conspiracy theories, and are there any that you believe to be true? No, the answer is no. <laughs> Conspiracy theories don't do it for me. Uh, I mean, I've, I've, 
I've read into a lot of them, though. Sure, yeah. Like, I, my, one of my two best friends in the old days uh, were two cousins, and they were crazy about conspiracy theories. Like, face on Mars, moon landing conspiracy, uh, JFK assassination, aliens existence, more recently 9-11 truthers. Um, and I... Uh, I, I did a lot of research into both of those things enough to convince myself. And that's the thing. Like, I find that the, all these conspiracy theories are exa- essentially the same, where you someone has a crazy idea that rejects the conventional wisdom, and then they come up with a theory about that idea. And if that theory is proven wrong, they don't be like, I'm wrong. They then come up with a new – that they essentially fabricate – details and events to continue to go back to that same theory mm-hmm. and like there's no amount and if you try to show them evidence that contradicts it well that's part of the conspiracy too right and i i just like that's a really interesting way to live your life and and i don't find it very persuasive uh yeah I, maybe the Lindsay lohan thing is my new favorite because that is like you said just bad shit crazy so i do have two that are uh, that are fairly harmless and funny and might be true um, they all came from Bill Simmons. They revolve around the NBA. Do you remember the time when Michael Jordan started to play ba- ba- baseball mm-hmm. and had like a very undistinguished baseball career? Yeah. There's a theory that David, uh, Daniel Stern, David Stern, um, Daniel Stern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, from Home Alone. Uh-huh. Uh, the commissioner of the NBA, that Michael Jordan got into so much trouble for this gambling addiction that they exiled him from the NBA as a punishment off-the-books punishment because they didn't want to uh, do, uh, diminish his star power, and that he played baseball for a season or two as a form of exile. And then once he did penance and did his treatment and all that stuff out of the the the, uh, the, the bright spotlight that he was brought back in for the rest of his stellar career. I think that's an awesome fucking theory. I love it. Okay. The other theory is uh, during the Patrick Ewing draft or the New York uh, – the was it the Knicks? Yeah, the Knicks got uh, Patrick Ewing that – Again, Stern um, rigged the draft because they put all these envelopes into a big like lottery-style ball, and they turn it around, and then they pull out the envelope. There's a theory that that envelope was frozen. Uh, and when, when he was was in there fishing around, he could feel the frozen because like, they wanted the New York Knicks, one of the biggest media markets, to have this hot number one draft pick, and they rigged, rigged the lottery so that, that they got Patrick Ewing. Hmm. Okay. I think that's those are pretty funny theories that don't really like that doesn't there's no global stakes to them there's no state of humanity and they're kind of plausible and you can go crazy about it and not not feel too bad about it so but other than that then like I I've enjoyed my time with the JFK conspiracy I love the movie JFK but I don't find any of it persuasive anything else how about the NSA spying program well see that's the thing <laughs> that is a conspiracy theory but there's it's the, real. There's, it's there's, true. There's, there's that. There's MK Ultra. I mean, I guess. Right. I guess I don't find persu- I don't find I don't find conspiracy theories persuasive until there's evidence to prove them. Right. And then you know, it's like I'm not saying conspiracy. There's no. And then conspiracy they come out theories. of the like colloquial use of conspiracy theory because right. they're conspiracy fact. Right. And that's the other thing is that conspiracy theories. You like the moon landing. You know, like literally hundreds of thousands of people would have to collude mm-hmm. to to make that work. And also, you know, it's I like I said, um, yeah. Whereas, you know, something like uh, in SA, you had to have I don't know, wait, maybe a couple thousand. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't even know how how many people how many people would and and then there again that secret got out right. So 
It's very hard to keep a secret, and the more impactful and juicy the secret is, the harder it is to keep. So if 9-11 was an inside job, where is the patriot that is saying that on record? Yeah. I don't know. They, they probably got killed. They got assassinated. Of course. Travis from California, have you ever cried during sex? No. Have I ever not cried during sex? That's the better <laughs> question. Can't recall. Uh, anything else to add? No. Uh, Shane from Georgia, and this got a lot of likes and support and echoes from uh, Some Biscuit and Drew and other people on our forums. Uh, congrats on a 20 million mark. That must mean you guys are averaging close to 1 million downloads per month. Uh, yeah, like Game yeah, of Thrones season, year. we'll get to this later, but we did significantly more than that. Like our peak was like 2.8 million. Yeah, average downloads this month, I did this stat, is like 1, 1 million 20,000 something right. per month. Right. So, yeah. Um, it wouldn't be the Q&A extravaganza without me asking, where the fuck is the Bald Move Super Deluxe Edition cast for The Wire? Jim, would you like to take this one? Uh, yeah, it's in the bin with the other stuff that we're probably never going to do. <laughs> that we say, wouldn't that be cool if... So, there's a couple problems with this. Number one is, there was a time in like the, year, the first year of us doing this... Um for profit or like you know as a full-time where we had the time that i could have done like a just a standard issue bald move rewatch podcast that i don't know if it had been successful because i'm about to talk about that in a minute but it was but but for whatever reason i got in my head that now that i can do this full-time i have to go big i have to get celebrity interviews i have to get professors of, of social justice and criminology i gotta get you know, uh, uh, I, I got to get other like I I, I got to get Bill Simmons and Jason Whitlock and Alan Seppenwall to like to do like season reviews with me, and I just kept on and, and and getting all that stuff together. In the meantime, Bald Move had grown to a point where we didn't have the concept of free time. The other thing that really killed the wire is we did a season one rewatch of Breaking Bad immediately after the Breaking Bad series, right? Mm-hmm. And it was pretty successful. And then we went off the air for like six months or so until the next lull, and we did it, and it was a dismal failure. The next two pod, the seasons of Breaking Bad were unsuccessful by bald move standards. Mm-hmm. Um, that really harsh. Now, the same thing with Game of Thrones. We did a Game of Thrones rewatch right after this, and it was fen- fen- phenomenally successful. It feels like once that that interest wanes like what i what i heard a lot of feedback from was we continued our rewatch mm-hmm. and then six months later we weren't even thinking about your podcast we'd unsubscribed or whatever i didn't even realize you're doing it right um so I, I guess with the wire something big like a, a big anniversary or like i know they just had the hd re-release that might have been a good time to do it but i didn't have time to do it um it, it was it was murdered and strangled by my ambition and by the fact that we could do almost any first-run television and be more successful, and like I don't think that you would be willing to devote the time it would take to do all five seasons of The Wire at this point. So I then I'd have to get you know. another co-host, like, and then I'm now I'm, you know, doing a, a, a sizable amount of work outside of Bald Move. Like, I, there's just a lot of problems with it, and I'm not saying never, but I'm saying I don't see right now as Bald Move is constructed how I can ever do it. Now, we're planning on getting bigger, planning on more bodies. Maybe this is something that could could see the light of day years from now, and, mm-hmm. and maybe during the 20th anniversary or something. But like, I just I just don't when see it. When they do season six. <laughs> when they do season six about the immigration. 
yep. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I'm no one's more bummed about this than me because that was one of the thing, the big shining jewels I saw as po- a possibility for when uh, you know, bald move went independent that that the week could get done. It's my favorite show of all time. It's it's a super bummer, and I, I wish I just did it. I wish I just done just a regular, but but I, my respect for the wire, fucking, and my perfectionist streak, like so many other projects, it, it, it killed it. So sorry, man. Um, uh, from Ireland. Uh, where is the review of the Mad Men Insider? I can't remember if it's a writer, producer, or else that you talked about at the end of your coverage. Oh, there's another fucking project that got fucked up because we were going to do a rewatch of Mad Men and we just didn't. Yeah. Uh, you didn't do it. That's what it was. Yeah, I, I was done with Mad Men at the end of Mad Men. So I... That's an intense show and I did not want to go back and watch like five seasons or something insane. Right. Or four um, seasons, I don't know. So, so the idea was to have Tom, uh, the the Mad Men editor, kick off that coverage, and then when that kept slipping and slipping and slipping, and Jim finally says, "Look, I'm just not going to do it." It felt silly to do it, and then I wanted to release it on the like one year anniversary of Mad Men going off the air, and I forget exactly why I didn't do it then. Probably because we got busy and I forgot. Um, but I will say I was actually going to release it at the same time of this interview and I went to go do it and I we realized that in the move those files are at Jim's house. So I want to try to get that out within the next week or so. And please bug me. Uh, you know, send me emails. Uh, get on the forum. Have a have a day by day watch because I want to get this out. It's not fair. I mean, Tom gave us like a, a an, an hour and a half of his time. He had some really interesting, insightful things to say about the series and editing and working with the Wiener and all that stuff. That's that's super good. And I I, I hate myself for not getting out was more rele- relevant. So please help me help you get this content by bugging the shit out of me. Uh, dummy, that's that's awful harsh, awful harsh. Um, has uh, I'm, uh, what I can only assume the devastatingly intelligent dummy, self-deprecating dummy says. Has there been any new discussions on how to po- do podcasts and new shows? I know you can't do every show, but I think you guys missed out on a couple that you really should have done. I'd love to know. I I guess I'd be curious to know what those shows are like what he considers ones that we should have done. Um, But honestly, we'll probably get to the ones that were just coming on the air this season, this year, and were really good. Like that's kind of our, our motto is don't jump in too early on a show. Right. Like give it a year. The audience will still be there. Uh, If it's good, we'll pick it up. Well, and the other the other or realization we'll to, is that we only have time to do about three pod three sh- main shows a week. That's a, that's a good thirty hours of each of our time, and the rest of that time is lunch with Bald Move and Bald Movies and the day in day out financial stuff and the planning and work, improving a studio. Like, I don't think I, I I think that's like our maximum capacity. And also, I don't think that we can do that like all year long because you have times where, you know, if we did that, there would be like four week stretches where we do five pod, five shows. I'm not saying we have five podcasts because if you notice, we like we really bang out the content, man. Um, But like these 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 long form single show review formats, um, it's 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 really brutal. Um, And we have to I mean, the the biggest the biggest bitch is the schedule and, and making sure that we're not overwhelmed because we do bod- we do bad podcasts when we're overwhelmed. 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's just, for me, it comes down to memory and my immersion in a show at any given time because you can only, uh, personally speaking, I can only immerse myself in so many shows. Right. And as the number of shows that I'm immersed in grows, the the depth at which I'm immersed decreases. Right. So I become a less effective podcaster on individual shows as I increase the number of shows. Yeah. And that's just, that doesn't change. And because sometimes... you only have so much energy and time to devote to a, right. a certain amount of content. And then sometimes it just comes down to we're just not personally interested. Like, that's the one right. thing we yeah. don't, we'll get to more of this later. It's like, we've never done a podcast because we think it would be crazy, be, go nuts, bananas, mm-hmm. sex traffic. Right. Like, we do it because we're personally interested and we think it would be a good show, a good fit for us. And yes, it definitely is a uh, an influencer on whether we do something or not, whether, you know, we think it would be, uh, you know, if people would, would watch it or listen to it. But yeah. that's not really our main consideration. So the other thing is, like, sometimes we're just not into the things that pe- other people are into. Like, uh, I've heard really good things about The Good Wife. Have no desire to ever see that. You know, Nurse Jackie, another one. I have no desire to ever see that. That and it's not just like, oh, well, that's about female leads because I love girls. I love Orange and New Black. Hell, I do a podcast on Orange and New Black. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff that like I'm just I can't. You can't put a gun to my head and make you do a podcast. And I think that like the Lost podcast is instructive on that. Like a lot of people aren't happy that podcast. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a podcast that like I we both thought that'd be a shit show, and guess what? It was right. You know, it's, it's not podcasting jukeboxes. Um, but, yeah, like, um, and, and yeah, I think we've said enough about that. I wish we could do all the podcasts. We'd be a lot more successful. I wish we had 20 guys just like us that we could sit there and, and bang it out. Uh, Shum from Utah, what are your top five all-time favorite TV shows, not including current TV shows? So the show has to be completed or off the air. Shit. Um, to to qualify, which that's a, that's a fucker because – I haven't seen a lot of the classics. I haven't seen Sopranos. I haven't seen Deadwood. I haven't seen... Uh, and I have, like, huge affection for X-Files and Star Trek and Knight Rider, but I can't put those on a top five list, so... No? I felt like my top five top list five was pretty... Top five all-time favorite. I mean, it's not like he's saying best of... Like, tell me what the best TV ever made is. He's saying all-time favorite. Yeah. I mean, Star Trek might sneak up out in there, but certainly not the others. Okay, so what's your top five? I'm curious. I struggle. Uh, I thought mine was pretty lame. Yeah, I don't have a super good top five. Uh, this is actually one of the questions I was like, oh, that's something I need to think about. And I skipped it for the moment and then never came back to it. Oh, shit. So I, like, a couple off the top of my head. Uh, Firefly. Firefly is just an amazing show. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'd probably put Next Generation, Star Trek Next Generation in there. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I love that show. Uh I'll help you out. Breaking five. Bad, right? Yeah, yeah. Of course, that's off the air now. Right, Breaking Bad. Um, I mean, The Wire is really good. The Wire is really strong. I don't know. That's probably it. Top my, four. My top five is The Wire, Mad Men, True Detective. Only for season is one. Is True Detective off the air? Yeah. I've heard it's, like, defunct. Mm, There's okay. no plans for season three. I mean, that, I've that also heard they're giving Pizzolatto a hiatus and telling him to come back when up. you have some ideas. All right, yeah. Well, that 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 might be cheating. Um, if that's the know. case, then I would slot in like Justified in some order there, uh, Breaking Bad, and then Boardwalk Empire. 
and I'd put ju- if if I had to get rid of True Detective, I'd br- everything would move up one and Justified would be at the end. Because that's the thing, like. Yeah, I like Star Trek The Next Generation, but I also like Justified. Justified's a way better show. It's a much more mm-hmm. even, you know, with, with very, like, there's a couple of half seasons or maybe an episode here or there that I didn't enjoy, but, like, Star Trek, probably half the episodes are forgettable or worse. Oh, sure. So, like, but on the other hand, like, my childhood is built on that foundation. Right, and so, that's where I'm coming from. Like, nostalgia plays a huge part in what's my favorite. Right. Uh, I don't know, probably BSG's up there, too. I, love, I really like Battlestar Galactica. All right. Um, let's see. Red Lancer from Seattle says, there's only three questions. How many walkers have you killed? How many people have you killed? And why? Zero and zero because I don't live in an apocalyptic <laughs> post-apocalyptic future. Yeah, my answer is this, none and none <laughs> because walkers aren't real and I follow the rough Judeo-Christian ethos of thou shalt not kills. <laughs> right. Um, I mean... I don't know. Like, I think I could kill someone if they were if they're threatening me or my family. It's just that hasn't happened yet. Um, Andrew, do you have any idea of the demographics for the Bald Move audience? What they look like? Is there a demographic you target? Would you like to attract more of any type of market? I'd like to attract more of the type of market that would give us money. <laughs> and what? Uh, unfortunately, I, that's an are, elusive statistic to get. Um, <laughs> let me let me throw this out there as something. Uh, mm-hmm that I do, I absolutely don't think about this, like, ever. No. I never think about who my message is targeting. Right. I'm targeting people who are interested in what I'm saying. Right. P- straight up. Now, I we do did... not care whether I'm like, oh, I need to bring in 40-something black females. What? What? Right. What? So I'm going to change who I am to try and target a certain demographic? That right. doesn't make any sense. No. It um, just waters it down for everybody else. I, I do have some of these statistics because um, we did a survey a year ago, and it's it's a year old, but I, I doubt that the, the breakdowns have changed that much. Uh, 40% of our audience is age 25 to 34. 29% is age 35 to 44. 13% aged 18 to 24. And 12% aged 45 to 54. And then all other age groups make up about like two percent, I think, or maybe less than one percent. Okay, surprising. Diane Ream makes up an age group all her own. We we actually had a, a non-zero percent of twelve to seventeen-year-olds, which is kind of horrifying. Oh no! And then we had uh, a decent amount of fifty-five pluses, but um, yeah. that's that's the lion's share of the traffic. It's less than four percent all other age ranges. And then we had a breakdown of sixty-eight percent male, thirty-two percent female. Uh, with about five percent of our audience identifying as trans or other than that, but you're this right. Was I mean, years ago, so. we we did so we did do a pretty thoughtful experiment with Eric Walquist, um, who does a lot of you know kind of marketing and and um, communication strategy. Like just as an exercise for him and us, we went through this kind of branding conversation, and we did come up with like different archetypes of what we thought a bald move listener represented, and like the and uh, but I don't. That was really cool, and I'm glad we did it. But I didn't. I, when's the last time we referred to that? There's there's the a day after we made it. I, well, I mean, I think it's when, when we're coming up the club. We're trying to decide, like, you know, how can we appeal to this or that, or like, well, we've got these things are are hitting the this market, but it, so, but since we came up with that, like, right, yeah, it's less about demographics so much as it is like personality types. Or what people or, want out or of us, per- like like particular people who already listen to us. I don't sure. know. I mean, there's a certain amount of there's a certain fan that wants to hear like what you're listening to right now. 
like behind the scenes stuff about us and there's a lot that just don't give a shit they right. just want like they'll sign up for the club so they can get the video feeds and some of the bonus content but as soon as their show's over they cancel mm-hmm. um or suspend their account because they're not interested in following us year round that's fine but like if and i guess the big question is why do some people why are some people in it for the Jim and Aaron part of it and like I, I hear all the time like I had no interest in the show but I'm glad I watched it. you guys were watching it and I wanted to listen to the podcast so I got into it and I'm so glad and that always makes me feel good but I don't know if I knew how to convert people from the one group into that latter group where they'd actually fall like you know that would be awesome um, but I don't I really don't know right I mean I guess yeah converting people from listeners to subscribers is is kind of a different topic but like if i if i were to say like artificially i want to go after a particular demographic and change I mean, what would the that way even look i talk like? i mean I, I don't know i'd have to say bay more like i want to go after a younger crowd i'd have to say on fleek and shit like that <laughs> like i've changed the way i talk and the things that i talk about in order to please an audience yeah. i would end up losing the audience i already have so like yeah. that that's a fool's errand like if you're selling washing machines you can do that with your advertising right, right. because you can hit different people with different content as far as advertising but for us we're hitting everybody with the same content and it's really about just being honest right and and having people understand that that's who you are and identifying with you. And sometimes that costs us viewers. Like every yeah. time we touch on politics, we get angry emails informing us that they're never going to listen to us again because they can't stand to listen. And I'm like, okay, bye. Yeah, uh, nothing, nothing I can do about because it's that. not like I I don't think that comes up enough. I think when it comes up, it comes up organically, and it's my honest opinion. So I can either never talk about that stuff, even when it doesn't make sense in terms of the larger worlds we're talking about right. and analogies I want to make, and I have to think about self centering myself, or I just say it, and the people that can't stand listening to a differing opinion from time to time, like that's I usually respond to those people and like look. If you're honestly saying that once or twice a season you can't be reminded that I'm on a different side of you politically or socially, then you're going to live a really interesting life. Right. And it's not, you know, and like for every person I wish you, you well. <laughs> for every person you piss off by saying that thing, yeah. you ingratiate another listener, right? right? Like it's a trade-off. You can never hit everybody in the way that you're you know, the way that big companies try to target like Let's just have this mass appeal. Right. Well, that's a recipe for just bland bullshit. Tapioca. Yeah. And that's that's just not something we're interested in here. And I think it helps that we try to be thoughtful and intelligent when we do touch on those subjects. And we're not right. like, oh, well, we're just obviously right and you're obviously wrong. And only fucking morons would believe that. Um, you know, because it, it helps that, like, most of the things that I campaign against, I used to be a fervent supporter of. You know, like okay. I grew up in this conservative right. Christian cult and I was like, uh, I mean, uh, I didn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't describe myself as homophobic, but everyone else would because I never really hated or afraid of gay people, but I certainly didn't approve of their lifestyle and supported, you know, legislation right. supporting traditional lifestyles. So like I speak of these things with a certain amount of sensitivity of, you know, where people are at and where they come from and their family environments and you know, like I never felt appreciated saying, you know, saying that I felt this way because I have hatred in my heart or I just have I'm like, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. So I was wrong. Yeah. I was wrong and I had wrong viewpoints and I w- had a very insulated opinion that didn't, wasn't informed by talking to anyone in the community. 
Mm. But so I, I, I think it helps to have that background where I'm never too sure that I'm right about anything. And, and if, and you know, we've also been wrong on air and apologized and they got accurate information. So sure. There you go. Um, Garth from California. Uh, what are some of the arguments or disagreements you guys have gotten into? Were they about bald move? Did they affect bald move? Are there topics you guys avoid talking about on air because it brings up bad blood? Mm, to the last part, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I don't know. When we have arguments, I tend to stay angry for like less than a day. Right. I mean, like I said, we've had like a couple doozy fights even this week. Um, and it's always right. about like big ticket, future bald move things that people would fight about, you right. know? And like, I don't think it's unusual. Like I, I've, we had like five, like really heated arguments in the history of bald move, probably about that many close. I'd, I'd say at least three. That and I, I don't think remember. we ever had a single fight until we did this full time. Right. Which, you know, why right. do couples fight now? There are stakes. They right? fight I about mean, money. They fight important. about, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Um, we got in a fight about the conspiracy thing. Um, like not even a fight, but just like a heated disagreement. Um, so like conspiracy thing? No, the cowspiracy. Cows, right, right, okay. <laughs> um, because you know we're passionate about stuff, and when we yeah. talk about topics, like it can, it can, it can get uh, pretty intense. But yeah, um, and you throw steaks in there, and then it gets more intense. Literally, so. it's cowspiracy. No. Throw steaks, hamburgers, hoagies. Things get real <laughs> fucking heated quick. You gonna take my steaks away? <laughs> Fuck you, man. Um. So yeah, like yeah, we do, we do. Yeah. Um. But. At the end of the day, I respect this guy. I've known him for a really long time, and I try mm. to move past it. I have no respect for myself, so I don't know why <laughs> why you would. Well, let's say we're both uh, core uh, self 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 loathing, low self esteem, uh, not sure of ourselves kind of guys. So, like, I'm probably yeah. after we have a fight, I go <laughs> home and think I was probably a giant asshole. Or and and I like immediately. So, it, in arguments where. You know, one of us is going to get our way, I guess. You feel like, bad about it. I, I feel bad about getting my way a lot of time, and then I immediately, like, doubt myself. I'm like, I, I fought really hard for that. Am I 100% sure that I was right about it? Well, I mean, because you're... And then I start to self-doubt, like I always do. I mean, you're a pretty formidable person mentally and intellectually. So if I'm at the other... Um, and I've always felt that way about you and your brother. Like, you guys seem like you're just really smart and talented out the ass uh, and fairly thoughtful. You know, I'm getting a lot of compliments thrown at me right now. Uh, yeah, I don't I'm know trying, what to I'm do. Trying, I'm, I'm trying to make up. up. This is our version of makeup sex. Okay. Um, I've always thought the same about you, by the way. Right. So probably for, there's, diff- there's probably for the different big, reasons. The big on-screen on hug moment. There you go. Uh, for everybody well, who's sucker watching dicks at and home. Sucker popsicles and get over it. Yep. Um, but uh, that's – so I think that feeds into it. Like I'm not sure myself and like if this person that I know is smart and, right. and thoughtful about a bunch of things feels yeah. the opposite, then what am I missing? Yeah, if I thought you were a dummy right. and, and I just knew I was right, I wouldn't I wouldn't care. Right. I wouldn't think uh, – maybe I was wrong about that. But uh, Garth has another one. I know there's sometimes when I say something to someone at work or whatever and then I go home and constantly obsessively think about how I said something wrong or how it could be misconstrued. I honestly can't relate, Garth. Never has happened to me. <laughs> right. How often does that happen for you guys? I mean, I know you can edit things before sending them oh, out to Christ. the unwashed masses, but do you often worry about saying something and it not be taken the way it was intended? Or is that a rookie move that you get over as you podcast more and more? I I don't know about, like, Ira Glass or Diane Ream. I don't know if they get over this shit, but I never have. Every time I say something where I'm like, God, that was a boneheaded thing to say, 
uh, I will either take it out or I'll I'll leave it in and go. I hope nobody calls me on that. Right. Um, also, I say things that I didn't realize would be taken a different way. Sure. And once I released the podcast, like people start chiming in and go, and I go, oh yeah, I guess it could be taken that way. And that is not exactly right. how what I meant. And I wish desperately that I could go back and clarify, but that's impossible. And then, you know, that's the thing. Like, I think it happens less and less over time because, you know, um, you cultivate the audience that you get. And we've got a fairly diverse, thoughtful, intelligent audience that um, – and we also have got – you know, we have hundreds of hours where, you know, we try to be thoughtful about issues. And we don't try to take, like, really polarizing stands. There's a couple things like, you know, the war on drugs where I'm like, I, yeah. I honestly don't understand – at like like thirty years ago, you could take this this position, but now after seeing all that, that's one thing where like I I'd love to fucking debate someone. I'd love like there's the IMPD commissioner or a police chief in Indianapolis just came out and said marijuana is a gateway drug and we got to crack down on it. And I really I, I want to fight him. I want to fight him. Um, but I I guess I'm just not, I'm I'm not as afraid of you as saying things offensive because I've got that thing where it's like well. You know, there's there's no like uh, tapes of me saying if, I mean, there are it's blue yonder. I've said plenty of offensive and thoughtless right. things there. Right. Um, but I would never try to deny it. Like, yeah, boy, I said, it, yeah, I said that shit, and that makes me embarrassed to think about that. That that's how I thought. But I've right. never been a really hateful or selfish or asshole kind of person. So like, I might say things out of ignorance, but not usually out of malice. Um, so I'm not. I guess. I'm not afraid I'm going to have a gotcha moment. I, worse, I'll say something ignorant. I'll be like, oh, God, Jesus, I can't. You're right. I'm totally wrong, and I will talk about it in the next podcast. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you, we, we broadcast in real time every podcast, almost every podcast. Yeah. So if we wanted to edit, it would still be out there in the record. That's true. So. Yeah, we uh, do almost know editing as far as censoring I mean, ourselves yeah, you guys or... that watch the video feeds know that. Like, right. we do editing like, uh, oh, wait a second, I need to look this up, or mm-hmm. I need to find this guy's name, or it's, but it's not like, you know, fuck Oh, it. I just said the N-word five times in a row. <laughs> right, right, right. No, no, right. that doesn't happen. <laughs> right, yeah. So, um, another question, is there a show that you wish you didn't cover? Not because of lack of quality, but because of how close you are required to get to a show. Uh, i.e. looking at theories, oh. reading extensively online. Um, like Aaron, you loved Game of Thrones, but the recent season, I can imagine getting way frustrated and want to just enjoy the episodes without having to worry about going through a million emails on the subject. Thoughts? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can think of one right off the top of my head. What? Mr. Robot, because mm. I would have binged that thing, and I think it would have been more enjoyable as a few afternoons rather than a 10-week, 12-week process. Right. And some of this stuff is like, I can't turn it off anymore. Like right. I, I, I found myself, um, and I've talked about this, but I'll, I'll a little bit more, I guess. Now I found myself when I'm watching movies or television shows that I know I'll never cover, like on an official podcast. But I find the podcaster voice in me formulating like these insights and things I want to talk about and these big points and 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 analogies, and I'm like, shut the fuck up! I'm watching BoJack Horseman. This is going nowhere. So it's like I don't even know if I took a season off of Game of Thrones, which would you know be disastrous. That I it's it's fundamentally kind of, and I feel like I understand why like Roger Ebert used to be cranky about like and and why other um, critics eventually get to the point where they crave new experiences more than they crave just workmanlike 
you know, solid B plus crowd pleasing right. movies because they've seen so much of that shit. They've seen way, ten times more than mm-hmm. the average man or woman, and they're just exhausted with it. Um, and I, I, I don't know how. I don't think I've gotten to that point. Um, but and and sometimes when I see people like, why do you like leftovers? Well, maybe it's because it is that weirdo thing that I've never seen before. I, 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 I never. One of my mission statements is don't do that ever. Don't ever get jaded like that. But how do you avoid it? Yeah, at some point, any sti- any stimulus, painful, pleasurable, or otherwise, gets you, you know our minds kind of filtered out, and you have to have something more extreme or whatever to 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 you know you, when you're two years old, you fall on your ass and you cry. When you're an adult, it doesn't even register. So right, I don't know. Um, I think the true answer for me is all of the shows. I didn't. I wish I didn't cover any of the shows because then I could watch TV just for pure pleasure, as opposed to having to go through and and think about what I'm going to say while I'm watching them. But on the other hand, there's a lot like the leftovers. I actively enjoy because I leftovers is great because it's just like kind of like a boutique show we do where we get just the right amount of feedback. I feel like everything is covered, but I don't have to like. Mm. Oh Jesus! Fifteen people wrote me saying broadly the same thing and. 14 of them are going to get disappointed because I didn't read theirs and this one person gets to like that bums me out about the feedback. I've said that a bunch of times, but I hate every single time when I make a cut, someone took 15, 20, 30 minutes, whatever out of their lives to tell me something. Right. And I'm not going to be able to use it because I had 500 emails this week. Mm-hmm. Like any other show, this would be a no brainer read. What are you going to do? And that, yeah. especially for like high volume shows, like, Game of Thrones or or The Walking Dead, that that bums me out. But I remember when we first started Breaking Bad, how cool it was that I've always wanted to be able to talk about these shows with smart intelligence. And I've got these people just like it's twenty four seven coming in my mailbox, like oh my god, this is hilarious, or this is super interesting, or I can't right. believe I saw that. Um, it's just a you know, it's a scale like oh, yeah. no one human can keep up with it almost. Right, and if the the pleasure of doing everything we do for podcasting uh, didn't outweigh the pain of not being able to watch TV as a normal human being, uh, I wouldn't be doing it anymore, right? (laughs) Yeah. So obviously there's a shitload of stuff I love about it, but I would like to just watch every show for pleasure. Right. And not have to worry about all the the baggage that comes along with podcasting. Yeah. Uh, Tom G., have you ever considered a raffle? $1 per entry, six for five. Winner gets a plus one invite to you and Cecily's wedding. Um, you know, it's hilarious because at 10.50 a.m., Cecily just texted me out of the blue. I just got the best idea. We periscope our wedding and sell advertising on it. <laughs> so I would have said, because we're, we're trending towards a very small ceremony with, like, just intimate friends and family and then having a larger party for Oh, that's broader... how you do it. What? You know how, like, BlizzCon, all the conventions now are doing these online packages? Mm. That's how you keep the wedding small and still include all your friends and family. Right. Forty dollars, you get the full online experience. Of- but we're not going to be. It's not like, <laughs> like, do you seen Dan Harmon's wedding, hmm. where his best men came out wearing giant Dan Harmon heads, and they did a tap dance routine, and there was this big crowd ceremony, and like it was just like what you would think someone that created community and Rick and Morty would come up with. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be. You right. know, saying vows and signing paperwork and and probably some kissing and smooching at the end, but it's not it's not going to be a bald move production, man. Well, no, but if you're going to periscope, it, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, uh, and get your get your family in because you know keep it small and still give them access. That's a joke, but I mean we of like ninety percent of our texts on daily just your jokes to each other. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Garth says, Jim, since you own stock in Chipotle, I can assume the wedding will be, uh, that they will be catering the wedding. What stock in Chipotle? Oh, it's right. You, you divested. I did. <laughs> Completely. Is that the word? Yeah. I don't know. I, I think out. I actually Sold lost a little bit of money on that. Uh, mm. but yeah, yeah, I got rid of my Chipotle stock a long time ago because I needed the money. Yep. Uh, interestingly enough, I saw you started as forum third on this. You've got, you, you got the grand prize in the summer Chipotle of course you did. Right. You, I've, I, was there ever any doubt that You only that was need to buy happen. 20 burritos a month. And you probably bought 30, 31, 30, you know, whatever, however There was the did. Beaver Island month where I thought maybe I'd miss yeah, it. Yeah, and they week. kept giving me free burritos, which means it I didn't you. swipe my card. Yeah. I was worried, but I um, made it. So you've got like a, a catering coming to you. Like, yeah, what 20 is free burritos. I saw you're trying to figure out a way to in. dispense with that. I don't, that's so... Yeah, I don't know if I want to do like a small live event or like I'm trying not to spend a boatload of money on. on There's a wedding kind of you event, can cater. This is, but I, I want think to... the what Garth's suggesting. I like Chipotle too. I'm just you know just right. saying. Um, I I have to use it by March 31st. Are you getting married before March 31st? <laughs> I honestly don't know. Okay, uh, that's like we don't even have the date picked out. Because um, yeah, anyway. Darwin Fishy, Fishy. If there's was a group of ten year olds out to kill you, how many do you think you could fend off before being overrun and no weapons? So this is, I think, a Grandmaster Picel goof. Okay. What uh, do you think? Two, two. I'm, I'm giving myself two. I think in an infinity. How are they coming at me? That's the question. All the all the time. Uh, just 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 a nonce. It's like the like, bride think... fighting off the eighty eight assassin or a crazy eighty eight. I I feel like well okay ten year olds. I've got a ten year old and I feel like I could whip an infinite number of their asses. You think and, so? and also like look at the look at this fucking meat hook. Man, I'm right. just this is as big as my son's head. I'm just busting heads like tomato cans. How many ten year olds are gonna keep, keep the char- mean, how many ten year olds after they see the devastation that came before them are going to charge <laughs> that hill? I'm gonna be like, you know, bring it on. I'm gonna be stripped down to my waist, okay. covered in blood. So here's I'm terrifying. So the wording in this question, if there was a group of 10-year-olds out to kill you, I think the question could be, how big of a group do you think you could take? Because an infinite number, obviously, you can't. At some point, it's Agent Smith, and you have to just fly out of there. Mm. Like, I didn't think they are super-powered. I mean, the, the thing about 10-year-olds is their their heads are about to rate. Are they, are they biting my testicles? They're doing, they're doing whatever they do, want, Do I have a man. cup? Because that's something no, like if, if no, you don't have any weapons. They said you no don't have weapons. Armor. Okay, okay. And that's not fair. I just get a tank, and I'd sit in the tank and watch. Still, the so I got a lot of knees and elbows to deal with that kind of threat. That's. I mean, if right. they could do something like blindingly, like they get a good shot in the junk, then then it's probably over. They but I feel like ground, I could. Yeah. I feel like I could beat a lot of ten-year-old asses before I was overrun. <laughs> Great. I mean, just cut that soundbite out and play that for the cops. Sure. Sure. Yeah, so when I murder a, a room full of ten year olds later, it's like, <laughs> right. look, it's me, it's them or me. It's not a jury in the land that'll convict me. <laughs> you really think you could only take ten, ten, two ten year olds no. out? No, of how many times do you really think you you could take? Do I legitimately think I could take? Like, uh, you could you get Chuck E. Cheese full of them? Is it a Friday? Ooh. Is it a Saturday? It's I mean, a it's a it's a Saturday at the height of the birthday crowd. It's oh, like one shit. to three p.m. There's a hundred. I don't them in think there. so. I don't think I could take a hundred. No, I think I could take ten. I think I could take like twelve. Twelve, twelve, yeah, 10 twelve year olds. twin year olds. I could only take ten twelve year olds. That's for sure. <laughs> well, of course, those two years like that's that's a lot of experience and wisdom and it is, and yeah. strength. 
so there you go. Uh, I'm Infinity, and Jim's around Tim. Angie K says, you guys seem very passionate and informed about security and privacy in the Snowden podcast. Ostensibly a film review. It was really a thorough and thoughtful, in-depth, topical discussion. Uh, are there any other topics that you're passionate about that you would consider podcasting about? Have you ever talked about doing something like that, either within the context of a review series or as a standalone podcast? That I would consider podcasting about? No. But I'm, as an atheist, I'm fairly uh, passionate about that topic. And I feel like I could give, of, of all the things that I could defend, I think my my stance on is there or is there not a god? How many gods could you take if they came at you all at once? Same as 10-year-olds, 12. <laughs> 12 of them. Apostles, you would call them. Uh, okay. Atheism? But I, but I wouldn't, I don't think I'd podcast on that. Right. It's just not, just not me. I'm not out there looking to proselytize for atheism. Um. So I like talking about relationships. That's the one thing that is weird about Gemini's relationship is we never we never really talk about that kind of stuff because I don't think you do. You don't really talk about personal stuff. So no, I'm not a very. Like, I have a whole other group of guy do. friends. Uh, shout out to Josh, Mike, Daniel, Nick. That I do. I get that that itch scratched. But I, mm-hmm. I like about I like talking about that. Um, it'd be hilarious for us to host a relationship podcast. Oh God, because because. Uh, I think I would have to, I would have to play the bad guy, the bad cop. That'd be fun. I think, I think it might be actually fun. Yeah. Just, just just retreat into a caricature. Yeah. Do nothing serious on that. Keep that emotional distance intact. Right. Uh, the other thing I I do in my everyday life. The other thing I would, I, I've seriously considered, uh, me and Jesse talked about this, doing a men's issues podcast, Mm -hmm. like a, like not a men's rights, but like a men's liberation type of thing. Talk about. From a fem- like a, the flip side of feminism is what has our culture done to men that if we could redo things and make things fair and equitable that that would no longer um, you know uh, you know how can we be better men essentially uh, and what does that even mean like you know what does masculinity mean in in a twenty first century context um, I've done a lot of study and thinking and reading about that stuff and I don't think that's very well served. In the internet, and in the internet, a lot of the men's issues talk are reactionary and childish and stupid, and also hypo- hypocritical. Right. Uh, and I like the you know it's like real because we do like you know suicide, huge issue with men. You know how to rear children and and uh, you know custody disputes and things like that. Um, uh, depression, um, emotional, uh, uh, you know, sickness and and uh mental illness and and uh, how to deal with military service and stuff i think there's a lot of important issues that are more affected to men than than anything the pressures of 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 maintaining the facade of masculinity that that don't really get addressed in a serious way but i am i going to do a bald move podcast on that like i don't know like i'm not not with you probably no not with me uh i i suppose it wouldn't be you know beyond the pale to put on bald move though no like, like any I, of these things yeah so our side projects are probably going to go on bald move sure so but that's something that those are the two things that jump out at me as um uh things that i i would be interested in tackling if i could find the right right person to do it with and the time to do it in um fern from new york city is going to double down uh it's time to turn up the heat on bald move my question is what was your first experience watching porn growing up Wait, uh, watching porn like not 
not seeing nudie mags Let's or anything go, like that. But well, like however video, you wanna, are we talking? However you want to... However you want to define that. I've heard you both at various lunches and cocktails hint around it or briefly mention it, uh, but you never got any detail, and I have to imagine with both of your Jehovah's Witness backgrounds, it would make for a good story. So I, I don't remember my first time, like, watching video pornography. Uh, shit, I don't even know when that would have been. Probably when I got a cable modem. Mm-hmm. Like, when I was 14 right. to... 15, 16, I don't know, somewhere in there. Uh, it was probably awesome. I don't, right. I don't remember legitimately. I do remember the first time I found, like, what you would consider porn, which was, like, a really bizarre experience because oh. I was, like, outside of <laughs> of one of, like, a, a hobby, like, baseball card shop or whatever, uh-huh. and I was just kind of milling around on the sidewalk, and I looked down and, like, between like the sidewalk and the pavement there was this piece of paper like stuck in the just in the pavement there between them and i picked it up and i unfolded it and it was a naked woman and i was like how old were you what is this i 11 maybe okay i mean i i was real young uh and and i I looked at it and i was like oh okay i'm digging this and i kind of you know hung on to that for a while sure that was how did you smuggle that? You just stuff it in your pocket? And, yeah. Because, like, did, were your parents I had, the type like, that would, like, toss your room for that, contraband? No, not so much. My mom was. So, like, I uh, I never know what I would, would do with that. That was always a risk-reward. Like, is this juicy enough to keep or, right. you know. And I had my naughty box. It had, like, sure, you know, a shitty dull knife that was two inches long and, like, some some firecrackers or whatever and this, this page out of a porn mag. <laughs> That I found randomly uh-huh. in the street. Such uh-huh. a fucking weird thing. Yeah, it was like the porn god smiled upon you. I guess so. I was about the same age from my first experience. I was like 11 or 12, and my slightly older cousin had found his dad's stash of Playboys from uh-huh. the 70s. You hit the gold mine. Uh, and there was like probably a, a 18, like either somewhere between a dozen, two dozen issues in, this, in the mid to late 70s. And... Yeah. Uh, you know, so it was lots, lots of uh, big hair, lots of bush, um, and uh, yeah, it was a something else. Oh my! The else. one I saw must have been out of a penthouse or something because it, sh- it. I've seen everything, as You've Patrick everything. Stewart would say. Um, but yeah, I uh, that's 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 the first story. Like, um, and then so I was early adopter of the internet and BBSs. Like when I got yeah. to be about thirteen to fourteen is when I remember getting a, a like a, a my first computer connected with the modem. I started dialing. Yeah. BBSs and one of my friends had an older uh, male cousin who was like like 19 so he had an adult ID and some of these BBSs you had to have an adult ID to get you know into the adult sex you could download the <laughs> right the gif. it would take this. you 15 minutes to download the gif and mm-hmm. <laughs> we so this guy Ace Jace um, oh you can out him huh as having the adult ID sure he had the adult ID and uh, <laughs> he wouldn't care no he'd probably he laughed when we finally told him he first was pissed and then he laughed about it but um, we had this scheme that um, we were going to disable his computer for a period of time so that we could you know get on his account and just leech all the porn that we could <laughs> and my buddy who was a great older than me was taking computer programming he came up with this this com file that would you could insert into his autoexec.bat file so it would always run with boots and it would say something like formatting c drive in a percentage <laughs> 
<laughs> so he so he loaded his payload on Ace Jace, and for a three day period until he could come back and fix his computer, he was knocked off, and we just sucked everything down, and we got a treasure trove of several hundred. Again, two fifty six color gifts, a couple of JPEGs. They're all super low res. Yeah. A yeah. couple of um, like v- CGA graphics, like sixteen color, three second loop porn things, stuff like that, and okay. like that. And, and, and until I got the internet years later, um, that the, but yeah, I didn't. I, I think the internet proper where you could actually download videos wasn't out until yeah. much much longer. So yeah. there you go. And we caused him to lose the VGA Planets tournament, and that was what pissed him <laughs> off when he found out. But then he thought it was pretty funny. Nice. So there you go. Uh, you also, what's your first experience going to a strip club? I've never been. Ne- me neither. Uh, I got to. I remember when we reconnected after we both were ex witnesses. We were like, we should definitely do a strip club. We should go out to Vegas and do strip clubs. And we just rather sit around and watch Magic the Gathering, man. Yeah, it's like just, it's just not me. Like. I could see a group of dudes going to strip club, club and it being fun, but right. I've never. I I, I mean I, I don't I, if if you find it fun I, I'm not judging you or whatever, but it just seems like why are you paying someone to essentially tease you? Right. There's no pleasing. And and maybe like if the scenery was good enough, like yeah. if I could guarantee that the 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 caliber of of what I would be seeing. Mm-hmm. The quality of it, maybe I'd be interested, but yeah, you go ahead. To, I, I mean, I feel like it, it feels like a quintessential male bonding experience to go out to a Vegas strip club where it's going to be really high class and the girls are going right. to be very talented and doing a bunch of sophisticated shit and beautiful. Sure, but I but mean, if I'm going to drop a grand, I'm not right? going to any. Brad's strip Gold Club, fuck no. The Brass Flamingo, no. You don't no, want to see PTs. appendix scars, and I'm not going. No. Bad boob jobs? No? That doesn't do it for you? Not interested I whatsoever. saw my uncle had a Brass Flamingo calendar in his workshop, and I remember pat, you know, uh, thumbing through it when I was 15. I was like, Christ. Yeah. This is pretty – these are the these are the pinup girls, man. This is pretty rough. Now, that's, you want, some, yeah, hard, you I, want some, cl- some quality objectification. There you go. Right. Uh, let's see. Also, when uh, do, do the Club Ball Move members get invites to Aaron's bachelor party? Well, my first bachelor party involved going to a hotel with my buddies and playing board games all night. So, like, I know that's literally a Parks and Rec plot, but that was honestly what I did. And I don't even know if I'll have one. Who knows? Uh, Michelle, my question is, if there's a fantasy football-style draft to cast a Game of Thrones, who would you pick for your teams and why? So, what's the objective here? Like, to win. What do we... Yeah, but you either win or you die. Whoever loses is going to die, Jim. Those are the stakes. So the throne? Are we trying to construct a team that will get us onto the throne? To are we trying to de- rule Westeros? Because if I'm Westeros. if I if I'm if I'm winning the game, I'm oh, I'm going to do the parliamentary style, lasting legacy, building statues to Aaron the Blessed. Like that's that's my goal. Like it not might not necessarily be the conqueror. I, I want to to ultimately free the people. Okay. But whatever, you got to win to get that. That that's irrelevant to the goal of winning. So right, uh, let's flip the coin of destiny and see who gets to make the first point. And I'm going to flip it onto the ground so it doesn't shatter everyone's eardrums. All right, here we go. Oh, call it heads. <laughs> God damn it! This coin is fucked. You get first pick. <laughs> All right. I feel like the automatic first pick. The smartest person in Westeros. The most of the time most fair uh and and merciful i suppose pick 
is Tyrion Lannister. Ah, you fool. Tyrion Lannister. I knew you would go for it. He's the way to go. He can not only get me on the throne, but he can keep me there and he can please the people once he's there. Uh, well, I'm going to go with Daenerys Targaryen with her fucking three dragons she's and not her sm- she's giant not armies. Smart enough. Not smart enough. Not experienced enough. Uh, I don't know if the Tyrion can outthink uh, three dragons. So you got to get you, you got to get to the throne before you can you can rule the throne. And I think Danny is key to that. So uh, I'm also going to take. Let's see. Uh, I feel like I feel like Jon Snow is everybody's favorite boy. I don't know if I want to go there. Yeah, you got the wisdom. You got the wisdom locked up. Right. I'm going to go with Bran. Bran. Bran Stark. Yeah. That's a, a natural counter to the dragons, sure. Right. Spoiler alert, motherfuckers, because mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about our... We're going to be justifying why we're picking them. Sure. We're going to get Game of Thrones spoilers through season six. Uh, Bran may or may not be able to travel through time, <laughs> and I feel like that's a pretty valuable asset. Pretty sweet. Yep. Uh, until he fucks up his save points and murders his best friend or whatever happened. Yeah, in, in who Primer. knows? Who knows? Uh, so I, I, I need to, since you took Tyrion off the board, I'm going to go with uh, what I think is the second best, Varys. Okay. And I'm, not, I'm not sure I can trust him. I know right. I can't trust Littlefinger. Right. But I do think, my, my and I, uh, this this could be funny two years from now when we find the grand plot, I do think Varys in his heart of hearts is trying to serve the realm, and he's got some good counsel, and if you can't get Tyrion, you get Varys. So you got Varys, Varys and Danny. Do they have to be alive at, at current time? Uh, no, nah, let's say no. This no? is our draft. It could be any time. Because you're essentially, you, you would be the ski. I, I guess this the spirit of this is you're starting right before season one. You're selecting a team to win the, the Iron Throne. Now all the Will the, things play out as they have in the show or the yeah, books or whatnot? But maybe okay. you can avert some of those, you know, you, you maybe you can avert, like if you want to pick Ned, maybe you can jump in there and keep Ned from being killed. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Because uh, I really wanted to pick Rob. I think Rob Stark is a really good choice because he has the military uh, prowess to really stick it to people and take the throne. All right. Like Tyrion, I feel, is not the great military leader. Sure. um, Even though he is very wise. But Rob kind of makes up what he likes. Strategy and logistics, sure, but tactical and and also just leadership. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Davos because I am a little unsure of Varys and I know that Davos is a straight shooter and he's a good, he's good at having two polarizing sides and being the sage voice of reason when things are getting heated and emotional and, and, uh, I I want Davos there as a firewall for Varys. That's pretty, okay. That's a good pick. It's it's synergy, synergy, synergy. Uh, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Arya. God damn it. Because Arya, man, if you need some dirty deeds That's done true. dirt cheap, Arya will do it. Right. Arya has the means to do it. She can change her face, man. Uh, since you took uh, uh, Arya off the table, I'm going to have to go with Jack and Hagar because it's just <laughs> okay. the, the older, fair. experienced, less loose cannony version of Arya. <laughs> right. But certainly not as uh, not, not as much crowd appeal. Yeah. Um, I get one more. one more. We both get one more. We should have done the snake style. I should have gotten the first pick on the second, but whatever. It hasn't fucked me over too much. Hmm. Oh, but that... Oh, man, I could have gotten... Uh, you might have... No, I don't think it would have changed much. Yeah, never mind. Okay. Um, shit. This is a tough one. 
It's a really tough one. Uh, who would I want on my side? Maybe a giant? A giant would be pretty sweet. All right. You have to name him, though. Ah, shit. <laughs> I, I know his name. <laughs> one of their names. One, one. There uh, you go. I don't know the other ones. I don't name. know the elder the giant either, but one one's pretty formidable. I guess I'll take one one. There are better picks out there for sure. But. Uh, this is another risky pick. I mean, I have a very volatile group, but I feel like I have to counter your your paracausal wild card of brand. Uh, I'm going to go with Melisandre. Okay, it, it was between those two, but yeah. I felt like if you'd have got Melisandre, I'd have been really nervous because boy, you've got forces which I can't. I got dragons. That's the best you can have as as far as physical forces, right? And a fireproof Danny, but boy, you got like honest to god warlock and witches on your team, <laughs> right? So I was sweating and time that you travelers would, and shit. Like, I was sweating you'd pick Melisandre, but uh, I, I considered it. But I, I feel like she'd be tough to control. Like, oh she'd yeah, she'd stab you in the back Hell before yeah. you realized. It. If she doesn't think you're like she doesn't think I'm the Lord of Light, I, I'm going to have a rough, rough, uh, rough road ahead of me. Yeah. Because uh, because that that would be tough, but that, those are pretty good. Those are pretty 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 good, uh, interesting teams. I'd, I'd be interested to see what people think about who who won that. All right, uh, Jonathan, in your bad guy Clem playthrough, and most recently in Mister Robot podcast, you guys, especially Aaron, keep writing telltale choices off as basically the illusion of choice, the illusion of choosing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I'd tell you uh, or let you know that this is not always so. Uh, spoilers, by the way, but if you want to look them up on YouTube, here's a link, and he linked me to this, which I actually watched while I was doing prep for this. Um, and here's a spoilerific synopsis. So fast forward about two minutes if you don't want to hear this. Um, but it's about the Telltale Walking Dead game. If you haven't played it by now, you probably don't care. Jane can die, Kenny can die, or both can die, and you can even choose to shoot Kenny after he kills Jane, which would have been a better bad guy Clem to do, and watch the world burn. With Jane, there's a new group you can meet or choose to turn away. With Kenny, there's a huge settlement called Wellington that there isn't room for Kenny, which has been his goal since season one, and he tells you to stay there with the baby, and you can choose to leave with him or stay. Why is there not room for Kenny? Does he have, like, an insatiable appetite or something? It's more like I think when I was watching – you didn't see this. This was the first one, but it's more like um, they've got – it's like an Alexander Safe Zone type walled city, and they're just not taking any new people. They give you a duffel bag – with some goods and, and say, be warm and well-fed. But the woman at Manning the Watchtower felt so shitty about Clem and especially the baby that she said, okay, we can take the kid, but we can't take you. Because he's fucking Kenny. That's the other thing. Kenny, like, Kenny's we, the worst. We set our, our goal, not even in the bad guy Clem part, but we our goal was always to make Kenny miserable. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So there's also a few endings resulting in just Clem and the baby. I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on these endings and which one is your respective favorites. I also thought the Kenny endings in particular had some good acting moments. The one where Kenny dies, that's my favorite. Yeah. Kill Kenny, I'm happy. I- but here's the point, and here's the illusion of choosing. If you think that you're going to have three distinct scenarios at the start of season three of The Walking Dead that you can play through right. to their entirety, right. you're fucking out of your mind. This is going yeah. to collapse into a single... Like wherever it's going to, it's going to end up in a single thing, and none of the real choices you make in season three are going to be impacted by. Because they people said this about season one going to season two. I don't think it's true. You, you like they're right. just yeah. The the writing and the video game technology is not there for that kind of complex, multi branching story. So yes, you do get to choose endings for your seasons mm-hmm. that reflect you know how you've done actions and stuff, but it doesn't roll into the next one. Right. I don't think anyway. No, I agree. Uh, also, I could be proven wrong when season two rolls around, but because season three, yeah. or season three rolls around, 
Maybe. We'll see. But, like, if they had impressed me, if, like, in season one, if there's a way to keep uh, Lee... Like, if there was a season where you play as Lee as the main character, mm-hmm. then the illusion of choosing shattered. But right, right now, I'm going to stick to that until I see, until I see evidence otherwise season three. Uh, Freddie from Texas. If you could have uh, Telltale make any game, what movie, book, or show universe would you pick for them to use? It doesn't have to be a realistic request. It can be as far-fetched as you like, like Tales from the Jersey Shore, The Wire, Bubbles, or perfectly acceptable answers. I feel like Breaking Bad would be a really cool one. Who would the character be, though? Cause I think, like I, I think it'd be Walt, really. But yeah, I mean, just be an alternate timeline, Walt. Huh? Because that, that's the thing about doing Walt and or Jesse is their stories have been told. You'd mm-hmm. have to do an alternate timeline, but I was thinking that you'd have to do a peripheral like Gus the early years, or yeah, that'd be cool. Or or Jesse post Alaska. Okay, does he get back into drugs? Because I feel like I mean I don't know, but the... that would be that would be some fertile ground to cover. I feel like drug dealing is the crux of that, the thing that you want to, the waters you want to navigate Okay. in that. Uh, so I don't know. Um, or MacGyver. MacGyver might be cool. MacGyver. Like seeing how the decisions you make go horribly wrong. What do you think about uh, Rick and Morty? That'd be cool. Like yeah. like in a, in a South Park stick of truth style. If it was crazy enough. It's yeah. crazy and it's hilarious and no matter what choice you make, it's always nuts. Like that would be fun. Yeah. A Star Trek one would be really fun. Ooh, yeah. Like, there's just so many universes you could pick from. I'd like to play as Quark. (laughs) That would be fun on DS9. Sure, you're just managing Quark's play. What was his bar's name? Uh, Was it Quark's? It was just Quark's, Quark's, yeah. The the Lobes. The Lobes of Fury. Uh, That'd be fun. Or play as Rom, even. Yeah, Rom would be hilarious. (laughs) Rom would be fun. Uh, not gotcha from the Pacific Northwest says, I must say my favorite stuff you've done has been your playthroughs of telltale games as bad guy X. Mm. I'm sure you'll continue to do walking dead and game of Thrones, but have you considered doing any of the other franchises? CSI law and order back to the future. Oh boy. You're going to be excited here. Not gotcha. Jim and I have decided that one of our 2017 goals is to, to our niche for video game playing is these Telltale games, and we want to do more of them more regularly. And, and, branch and adventure away. style games. Like Life is Strange is not Telltale, like, but it's Right, similar. it's that kind of branching yeah. thing where we can we can make fun and do ridiculous choices. And I think specifically we should have a series called just Bad Guy Yeah, whatever. But I think it's interesting. Like sometimes like Life is Strange sucks you in despite like you, you, you come to a point where it's like, well, shit, I got to kind of take this part serious because... Right, Life is Strange hooks you yeah. emotionally a lot of times. Yeah, but. I'm helping a teenage girl assisted suicide. Like, what the fuck? I there's yeah. not a lot of jokes. But to that's be had part here. of it. Like seeing how sure. bad we can actually be, sure. where our limits personally are. Right, I think is fun as well. But yeah, I mean, Back to the Future would be a great one. Yeah, I'm, I'd have a lot of fun with that. Um, being romantic, I love hearing how we met stories. How did you each meet your significant others? Well, that's not very romantic. If we met through okay cupid <laughs> like same here we there, talked for a while we went on a date and we hit it off there, there was an algorithm that matched us right. based on a bunch of personality questions and uh, <laughs> um so yeah it's it's interesting because when cecily and i first started dating we both were not interested in serious relationships mm, yeah. so we were just kind of like friends with benefits and we kind of like you know i think there's a point where we both started to feel real feelings for each other but I certainly was. I mean, I was just, you know, just a year or two 
maybe three removed from my divorce and I didn't feel like I had my oats properly sown, you know, growing mm. up as a witness and never getting to do that kind of stuff and just right. wanting to be a single person for a while as part of my development. And, and she had kind of similar thoughts and we always remained friends throughout this whole period, but we spent about two years, maybe three years, um, I guess, drifting around or seeing other people. And, uh, then we both coincidentally got out of relationships within a, about the same time, and I just made a earnest proposal. Like I said, "Hey, would you go out to dinner with me?" And I said, "Hey, I, I've always, I've always liked you. I thought we had a lot of chemistry. Uh, I'm in, I'm in the place of my life where I want a serious relationship. Is that something you'd want?" And right. you know, uh, a couple years after that, we're engaged. The and rest is history, as we'll they be, say. We'll be married. Yeah. So it's it's funny because like. I, <laughs> Um, I'm listening to Harmon Quest from or Harmon Time from the beginning, and I've heard like him and Aaron McGathy go from dating to engaged to they're about to get married, and they eventually divorce. And like, I hope that doesn't happen here, but because it, it's a surreal fucking experience as I a bet. fan, yeah, to go through this emotional roller coaster. Uh, there you go, Mich- Mich- Michelle Terlou from Helinski, I think, from the TV shows you covered this year. If you had to choose the gun to your head. Helinski. Which main character would you prefer to be? And I don't mean the actor playing the character, but for realsies. The actual character. Uh, this is going to be controversial. Oh. But I think I would like to be Jimmy from Better Call Saul. Oh. I think it would be both exciting and immensely entertaining to be a con man. Sure. And I've kind of already got the family betrayal thing down. I think I'm good. I can handle that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's got a lot of good things going for him. Now, I eventually become Saul, and, and I eventually become uh, Gus, not Gus. Not Gus. G- G- uh, the guy that's owning the Cinnabon joint yeah. in the Omaha. Not Glenn. Uh, I can't think of his name. We're going to we're gonna have, to, we're gonna have to dust off the old brain cells before it comes back on. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, but, yeah, I eventually become old Saul. I'm stuck in Nebraska running a Cinnabon, and I hate my life. So... Mm. Maybe I'll check out at some point. Maybe I'll just be like, I'm done with Jimmy. There's tough because I actually, one of my first choices was going to be Jimmy. But then I'm like, I thought about the whole arc of that character and like, that doesn't seem like a lot of fun. And honestly, everyone in Game of Thrones ruled out. I could not live in Game of Thrones society. Walking Dead, completely ruled out. Mm -hmm. Leftovers, more tempting, but still ruled out. Um Westworld, no. So far from what I've seen, not wanting any of that. Uh, any what of that. Anthony Hopkins? You can just work forward, tinker with shit. And... Uh, but I came with Lucas Hood from Banshee because he is just a, badass, a badass who yeah. has got the stamina and durability of like a Bugs Bunny out of Warner Brothers. He wins every fucking fight. Uh, he beds all the most beautiful women. Uh, he drinks hard. He drives fast cars. He's expert at weapons, and like he's just like the ultimate badass male power trip fantasy. And why? I mean, yeah, he gets his ass kicked and he loses lots of people he loves. But next season there'll be another one, and he never, <laughs> never takes seriously. He gets he gets cool looking scars and bruises, but they don't ever disable him. So yeah, sure, I'd be Lucas Hood from Banshee. Okay. Um, th- this year in television was tough because we haven't had a lot of aspirational stuff. Right. Atorian, if you had choose a dream uh, job outside of podcasting, what would it be? Uh, honestly, I'd probably like to run like a video game studio or something. I think that'd be a lot of fun. 
Interesting. It's a good choice. Uh, I think I would like to do some kind of like custom fabrication or building projects, like hot riding uh, cars or motorcycles, like specializing in that or building environmentally friendly micro homes, like some kind of small boutique Fabergé egg where you're dealing with people that have money to spend and want to do something ultimate. And I have the, 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 the technical ability and the wherewithal and the experience to do it. I don't have that right now. It's something I enjoy tinkering with, but right. this is my dream job. Like having my own garage. Right. I mean, okay, I'd own... like to run SpaceX or whatever, but oh, I'm, well. in, I'm in no way qualified for that. But right. it'd be awesome. Right. Uh, I'd like to be Elon Musk in that whole process. Right. But yeah, because that's the one thing that I don't, I've never gotten, like, I think there's a real satisfaction from building a physical good. Yeah. That I've never felt because I've always built virtual shit. Mm-hmm. That's very nebulous. Like I look back and like look at all the po- oh I can't see them. They're bits on some hard drive. <laughs> Whereas you know you look at all the pictures of customers' cars and motorcycles or houses you built. That's like seems like it'd be satisfying, but I don't know. Probably a nightmare. Uh, Sleef, what do you think of Elon Musk's new plan to send Mar- people to Mars in six years? I haven't heard anything about this. All right. Uh, this is a passionate pro- a passion thing of mine, um, so I'll I'll talk. Uh, I find it a curious blend of Robert Zubrin's Mars Direct, where he sends small incremental missions and they harvest ma- raw materials like methane and oxygen and water from the Martian atmosphere and soil, and the plan that he oft derides, what he refers to as the Battlestar Galactica plan, where you build this giant spaceship in or- Earth orbit and assemble it in the in 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 near-Earth orbit and then thrust it to Mars. And, and that's kind of like the Martian movie. It feels like they're making the Martian movie-style thing. And I feel like that's dumb. If you want to go to fucking Mars, go to Mars. Don't have this intermittent direction of, like, I need to build a giant spaceship to get there because that will never... I can't, I can't th- think that's ever going to be successful. Right. So I wish he would just take the the, the doable Mars direct plan and jettison this pod that has a hundred people and materials and supplies for the colony like just yeah yeah like you didn't do that in the old west you had the conestoga wagon and took it out there you didn't have a freight train like you're trying to put you're literally trying to put the the train before you got the tracks for it so i i think it's going to be a failure huh i don't think you'll have the time or resources money and certainly within six years that's ridiculous (laughs) right I mean, is SpaceX even going to be able to get a rocket in orbit in six years? I like, mean, come on, they've man. had some like pretty high profile failures of late. Now, so I did know. NASA. They haven't killed anybody yet. NASA right. barbecued what three astronauts on a launch pad? So, and the but Russians, is he proposing SpaceX to do this? Yeah. Well, I mean, I I, I think I guess it seems wildly I mean, optimistic. Baby steps, dude. If he's had twenty years and a team of six to have a beachhead for a future colony, I'd be like, yes, or even right. 10 years. Yeah. But six years for a pod for 100, you fuck, man, did you, I don't know. I, I know how much the International Space Station cost and how, what a boondoggle was to get it up there, and you're talking about that only capable of interplanetary travel? No way. Yeah, what? I mean. I wish. Like, seems- I'm, not, I'm not a hater. I wish, but I just don't think it's, 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 it's reasonable. Yeah, he seems to be just taking on bigger and bigger projects right. all the time. Like, you know what? I'm I'm currently trying to conquer uh, private space flight. Let's let's go all the way with that. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. He's a visionary. He's a dreamer. Like, I think you need guys pushing the frontiers, but... Sure. That seems uh, a, a little too hard of a shove. 
I will make my constant recommendation if you're interested in this you, and you haven't already read Robert Zubrin's mm. uh, Mars Direct novel. It's 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 about a novella size. It's a little bit dated because he wrote it with the idea of taking decommissioned space shuttle technology and retrofitting it to this purpose. But the basic, if you want to know, like how do you make water and methane from Mars, and how do you you know what? What are some inefficient or efficient ways to get there? His book is awesome, and it's it's what The Martian was based on. So, uh, if money and time are not issues, what would be your dream vacation? I don't know. I'd like to travel everywhere. Honestly, I'd do like nonstop round the world tour. The moon. Ooh. Oh shit. <laughs> I mean, oh, money shit. and time are not oh, issues. Shit. You just you just busted it open for me. Yeah. I mean, shit. Get I get a spot on that Mars Mars mission. Yeah, I was gonna say, what the hell, man? If a hundred people are going, I'm and time's not money's not an issue. The article I read said that the first ticket on the colony would be about a billion dollars a person. But then not after a, a few, yeah, money and times. But after he wants to get it to a hundred thousand, I'm like, what? How how can you buy a ticket to Mars for a hundred thousand dollars? Bigger ship. You I can't get you can't get a person in low Earth orbit right. for a hundred thousand dollars today. Right. Um, just just your mass, your your dead mass alone costs much that much more to, to lift it up there. Yeah, isn't um, like ten thousand dollars a pound or something like that? Yeah, or I think a kilogram, which is like, right, right, smaller than a pound. pounds, right? Oh, more than a pound, isn't it? Or is it pounds mm-hmm. more? Like I know ki- miles are longer than kilo- kilometers, but I'm an right. American, so I don't fully understand the conversions between kilograms and sure pounds. Maybe a pound is two point two kilograms. Whatever. Uh, so I was similar. Like I want to rig out like a forty foot sloop, a sailing vessel, single mass sailing vessel for like a two month voyage, and either uh, sail the Bahamas, the Caribbean, or the Mediterranean. And I think I will do that one day. Like that's kind of like my my retirement plan. Yeah. So that's my dream vacation because I I'm with you. Like I have not seen nearly as much of this big, beautiful blue world that we live on. And you only yeah. get 70 to 80 years and, and not very many of those and the health that you can enjoy it. So mm-hmm. I want to see more of it. Uh, and do you guys still go to PAX? Uh, I haven't been for a few years, but I definitely would. It's essentially since we went full time. Right. Like we haven't been able to afford it. But uh, there, is talk, the time. there is talk of going to PAX South in January. Oh, right. Which yeah. is a you know, like is is close enough that we could drive drive if we wanted to, and it's it's um it's in our slack period of time. Like January is kind of our dead time for bald moves, so it might the stars might align. I'm not not saying we'll definitely be there, but I'm I'm interested in seeing if we can make it happen. Yeah, Murder Bear. Uh, I know this is trite, and I feel like you don't really know a person until you get to the bottom of it. But cake or pie, and what is your favorite? There's only one right answer, and there's also cake. Well, I mean, he's loading the question. It's it's cake, obviously, because pie is for people who don't like good things. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely cake. Uh, I'm a pie man. My grandfather's okay. he when when people ask him what his favorite pie was, he says I only like two pies, hot and cold. And I agree. Like I I uh, uh, my favorite is the coconut cream pie from Gray's Brothers Cafeteria in Mooresville, Indiana. Huh. Um, but and that's the other thing is I can make a pretty good cake. And brownies and whatnot, but like my grandmothers took the secret to perfect flaky pie crusts and juicy filling to their fucking graves. My sister, actually, I know my sister got the and she's she's made a good pie or two, but that just seems like a, fundamentally harder than baking a cake because you just so many things can go wrong and it's such a multi step process. It's like going to Mars. So I I appreciate the degree of difficulty of a perfect pie more than I do the degree of difficulty of a 
of a, of a perfect cake. You know, I recently watched one of those shitty, like, Ace of Cake style shows. Right. An episode of that. Right. Where they make, you know, these dioramas. Sure. That are ostensibly made of cake. But right. I call bullshit on that whole process. There's right. nothing made of cake in that cake. I mean, there's a small sliver. There's, like, two slices huh. of cake on what is a mountain of, like, fondant and... Right. Cardboard and PVC. Yeah, and that's bullshit. Fuck there. right off with that shit. I oh, that was so dumb. They need Ace of Pies no. and make everything out of pie. I'd like but to see how is, that is goes. But the thing is that there's only like pies are very they're they're utilitarian. Like, oh, yeah. You're not going to make yeah. a Hogwarts pie, right? You're not going like to make a pie look like a too. Star Destroyer. Cheesecake is all time the greatest thing Ooh. ever invented. Ooh, better than that's better than pie. space that's travel. Really, the blend between pies and cake. That's the next evolution. I mean, I guess so. But, yeah, I mean, cheesecake is, like, my favorite thing in the world. I was surprised because I commissioned a Darth Vader replica head for one of your birthdays, and I thought, I assumed that was going to taste bad. I was oh. pleasantly surprised at how good that tastes and how it was all much cake. it looked like Darth Vader. Yeah, and they didn't use any PVC to get that. Yeah, yeah. They just used the shape of the cake. Uh, when did you guys decide to go with your cult leader names? It's such a good idea. I don't know that I ever decided to. It just happened. Yeah, I don't, because I wasn't... The beginning. I wasn't in the room for the decision where you guys decided to do the cult leader stuff, you and, and Peter Street, which was St. Peter. Um, I just know when I joined, um, it was I saw that the cult theme was going, and we all grew up in, in, in uh, what I <laughs> right. call a, a Christian cult, and Aaron, uh, that's kind of like a, a, a low-key nickname for me, and Aaron Hubbard just seemed like it, was, it fit. Yeah, and mine actually didn't start out as jim jones per se right uh mine started because goof yeah i was a big fan of william shatner and my buddy used to call me jim and that turned in from from william shatner from james t kirk into jim jones when i started doing uh podcasting so uh i also want to talk numbers i'd like to know what makes up your 20 million downloads meaning i know the game of thrones is king right now but what percentage of that total number is from the podcast the answer may surprise you. What percentage of that total number is from, oh, from Game of Thrones, right? Yeah. So, like, I did, the, I crunched these numbers, and we don't have, like, all-time traffic, because what we do internally with Bald Move is we track our first week numbers. Like, because, like, we don't, our podcasts are not long tail. It's, like, very current. And, yes, I know people go back and re- rewatch them, but, but the bulk of the traffic comes in the first seven days until the next one comes out. Mm-hmm. So, um... The breaks down to out of our total traffic, Game of Thrones represents sixty percent of our total traffic historically. Yeah, doesn't the, surprise me. The Walking Dead is next up with an even seventeen percent. Wow. <laughs> Following Breaking Bad at four point five percent, Mad Men two point seven percent, Fear the Walking Dead two point three percent, Better Call Saul at two percent, um, Bald Movies at a, a at a. Uh, at a uh, what, do, what do you call that? Uh, a feisty, a frisky, mm-hmm. a frisky one point six percent. True Detective one point five seven percent. Mister Robot one point four percent. Which I hope this is putting into perspective for you why I worry about Game of Thrones going off the air, everyone, uh-huh. because it's fully. I mean, it is bald move. In but a here, lot of here's ways. here's but here's here. I'm about to put these numbers in perspective. Okay, Fargo's at one percent, and then everything else is less than one percent. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's the thing though. It, it wasn't always this way. Like if you look at uh, contemporary numbers, 
Game of Thrones season uh, four finale got fifty thousand one week downloads. The ga- the Breaking yeah. Bad season finale got twenty nine thousand downloads that year. Now, that would actually be if you can if you compared that with Game of Thrones season three, which for whatever reason we lost the Night Watch numbers. Maybe when we vaporized that, it, it got the stats. But hmm. I think those numbers were very comparable. And then Walking Dead season four finale was twenty thousand. So it's not like Game of Thrones has always been you know. Just, just giant stop gorilla. Game of Thrones season six, ten, two hundred and sixty-seven thousand week one downloads. That's so far beyond what it even was last year. And right. I have no doubt that if a season six of Breaking Bad was airing today, we would be getting hundreds of thousands of downloads too. So yes, Game of Thrones mm. is the eight hundred pound gorilla. I, but I disagree. But okay. But look, but look at Westworld. What's Westworld getting right. in its week one? Uh, like fifty. It's that's more popular than any other show we've ever done besides Game of Thrones on the first... That's... Right. That's such unprecedented. I think that this is kind of new, the new normal. Like, more people are getting into podcasting, more people are getting into the golden age of television, and I don't... I, yeah, I don't think maybe. it's fair to say that, like, Game of Thrones... Because if you took this... If you took this year off, those numbers would be a lot more even. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. we got five, six, seven million downloads on this season alone... That's mm-hmm. insane. Like, Game of Thrones this season did more downloads than Game of Thrones in its entire run of Bald Move. Yeah. So that's um, – but that's – you know, that's exciting. We get numbers like that for Westworld of this year and The Walking Dead and, and, and stuff like that. Like, if we can build up to that, Mr. Robot did really well for us for a, a, a first out-of-the-gate kind of first co- thing we started covering. Right. I hope um, I can continue to cover that <laughs> Right. We'll after s- the next season. Um, so yeah, because next season is a bust on that show, and I, I might stop covering it. That's I, I for fully. If the next season is a shit show or even a disappointment, then if it's as bad as this season was, in my opinion, well, and I, when you say as bad, it's not. It wasn't a terrible season. It uh, just wasn't what you were wanting and expecting. Right. I like I've said. I consider it a bad season. Okay. Um. And if and if the next season is also equally right. what I consider bad, I would probably not do it for right. season four. Uh, but yeah, our, our top five is just what you'd expect, and I, again, I think those percentages would be a lot more balanced. Game of Thrones would still be, you know, after 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 Breaking Bad went off the air and Ga- and Walking Dead kind of went into a slump. Game of Thrones became the clear undisputed champ because for a long time, every season to come out, they would be a little bit higher than the last one. Right. But but still, yeah, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones right now. Game of Thrones is 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 huge, and yeah. and uh, I'm thankful for it. Uh. I feel like music almost ever never gets talked about on here. What's the best concert you've ever been to? Wow. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I, I like to go to shows to kind of just be ridiculous and have a good time. Right. And I feel like those shows have always been like We Are Scientists was a really good one for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went and saw Tegan and Sarah and Death Cab one, one night here in Cincinnati and that was really good. Um but m- maybe like performance wise uh Florence and the Machine, I mean she was fucking incredible. We saw that together and yeah. that was that was on my number 1. Uh and I think the only one that rivals that as far as like performance and how impressed I was with the the vocals and the musicianship and stuff is probably live. I went and saw an, 
Saw them at an X Fest one oh, time, yeah, like right. way back. I was, was that like, the Secret Samadhi album, or was it the? It, I, it was during that. Yeah, was that the light? The one before is that Lightning Crashes? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the the album's called Throwing Copper. There you go. That's what um, those, that I love. I love that those albums growing up. Yeah, um, great. But but Ed Kowalczyk is a fucking beast on vocals. Yeah. Like live, he sent. <laughs> when he performs in concert, he sounds exactly like he does on the album. Right, it's incredible. Yeah, and, and same how, with Florence. Yeah, and I, it's it's amazing because Florence seems like she does that without much effort, but like yeah. it seems like he's always threatening to like rip something out. Don't you think? Uh, the guy from Ed Qualcheck. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. He's he's really doing it. But you're right. Uh, Florence is just good god i mean dancing it was, it was the lungs tour just and there's jumping like, around on stage constantly never sounded out of breath no no incredible yeah just captivating and her band like she's got this full fucking harps and this uh you know this just this huge band and it's it sounded exactly like it did on the album yeah um and it was a beautiful night in a great venue and uh mm-hmm. I, I will throw that the proto men's covington kentucky concert uh, in a dive bar with about 150 sweaty nerds was probably my second. Uh, I got like I fought my nice. way to the stage and it that that was a face melting experience. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel from Maine, do you guys ever refer to each other by your bald move nicknames when the microphones are off? Yeah, it's about, probably about fifty fifty. Mm-hmm. Um, it's whatever. Amy J from Oxford, England says, uh, "What are your absolute hard no's regarding television? Is there anything that you would uh, make you not want to cover a show, even if it were to guarantee you a staggering amount of downloads every week?" So I think the things that make a show popular tend to also make it either fun or interesting to cover. So, like, I can't imagine what that show was if if it was bad and also not fun. I would not do it. But I mean, what would that show even be? Like, I did where the Jersey the Shore huge... podcast with my friend Nick, and it was a ball. I love right. doing it. That, that's my point. Like, if the show weren't fun, yeah. or you didn't have fun talking about it, you uh-huh. wouldn't do it. But no one would watch it either, so it wouldn't guarantee the staggering numbers. Like, right? I don't even know what that show is. Yeah, like it would have to be aggressively dumb and not self-aware and an audience that unironically enjoys it. <laughs> right. Like I couldn't do a Jersey Shore cast for the Jersey Shore crew cast. Yeah. But for the smart people that are hate watching it and having fun looking at these human beings wreckage. You know, uh, uh, like The Voice or an American Idol, I definitely wouldn't do, but that would probably guarantee staggering numbers. Yeah, I, I would actually. I would love to do select reality television. I, I used, used to, to love watching it, yeah. that as just a you know turn your brain off and whatever. But um, what if you couldn't turn your brain off while you watched it? Well, you yeah, had to think if, about if what your fucking inner say. critic is developed. I don't. Know, I'd kill it with alcohol. <laughs> there you go. That's how I did the Jersey Shore podcast. <laughs> Those were lit. Um, I don't even know if I. Though that might be the one thing you cannot find online. Jersey Shore. The, the Jersey Shore cast. Mm. Yeah. I'll have to fix that. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were on the DVDs if you bought those like right. three years ago. Right, they were. Um, anyway, Angie K had a follow up on Amy J's comment. Uh, do you think Bald Move has an aesthetic? Aesthetic. Aesthetic? An aesthetic. Like a, a look? I just, I guess, like a bald. What is bald? What does bald move television mean? What does bald move movies mean? Like, I. Honest. We're just. We're. 
Yeah. It's fun, fun and honest. Like, that's all that we really are. Yeah. We're not going to bullshit you or tell you what you think you want to hear, and that sometimes gets us in trouble, but it also, I think, is the only way I kind of know how to do this. You talked to earlier about, like, the... If I start triangulating, it's over. The kind of business analysis we did or whatever, um, like, what is this company? We did do that, and we came up with, like, some kind of slogan that I can't remember off the top of my head. Something about pop culture comedy that enlightens, I think, was well, that was the was long like the that, number that was like, the tutti frutti mission statement, Rudy. Thing. Right, there, there right. Was a... But I, I mean, I guess that comes as close as I've ever been to distilling kind of what bald move is. Right. We like to be funny. We like to be honest. We like to, uh, you know, part of honesty is having that voice. And when we think there's, you know, something to be said. Uh, about an issue, we're probably going to say it. Right. So, I don't know. Yeah. It's tough to say. I just get on the mic and have a good time. Yeah, and like I said, like we have this curious mix of like almost frat boy, like we make the gorilla dick jokes and we talk <laughs> right. about tits and ass, but we try to keep a balance. Like, uh-huh. you know, I'll be the, I love seeing boobs in Game of Thrones, but I also be the guy like, hey, not a lot of cocks, not a lot of cocks. I don't want right. to see the cocks, sure. but I know there are people that do. So yeah. why aren't they being served? I, and and oh, Westworld seems to strike a good balance. I Westworld, think. yeah, no, Westworld yeah. is very good at the non-sexual. I have yet to be yeah. titillated by any of the nudity on that show. Right. It's it's aggressively non-sexual. Yeah. Um, uh, Amy J has a follow-up. What are your favorite music albums of all time? Uh, mine's mostly '90s stuff. I'm like, that was my era for music for sure. Like Smashing Pumpkins, uh, like Melancholy, Infinite Sadness, that's Siamese on, Dream. Those on, are both. Melancholy's on my list for sure. Melancholy is a better album. I think Siamese Dream has better singles. Yeah, uh, good, good call. Mayonnaise is like my favorite song of all time. Period. Uh-huh. But I mean, I don't know. Some Nirvana stuff, some Bush stuff, some. Oh, you like Bush, do you? Maybe some Zeppelin, even. Oh. I don't know. Uh, okay, my I, I came up with the top five: uh, Florence Machine's Lungs, Blackalicious's Blazing Arrow, hmm. Metallica's One. Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy, and Infinite Sadness, and Kanye West, My Beautiful, Dark Twisted Fantasy. Those probably, like, Game of Thrones represent 60% of the music I've listened. Because, like, okay. uh, Metallica's one and, Mel- and Melancholy. Like, I used to mow lawns for a living when I was a teenager. I listened to that shit in my little Walkman tape as I was mowing lawns. And that's probably one of the reasons I have such shitty hearing today. Tip. I was trying to drown out a lawnmower with headphones. Um, right. They, they, I just, I, my God, I just listened to them so much. And yep. Metallica was always fun because my mom was always getting them and confiscating them and smashing them. Right. Like, fuck you, Lars. For every, <laughs> every one of those guys you sued on Napster, I probably bought the album 10 times legit because yep. I had a crazy mom throwing it away. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's, that's pretty, that, that, those are, those I think are very, various genres. I feel like I, I wish there was a country Western on there because there is some, I do like, but like most of my country Western albums are like the greatest hits of George Jones or Johnny Cash. Like, I don't know like albums. I like that shit, but you know, it's like the Beatles. I like the Beatles greatest hits albums. I'm not a person to throw on Sergeant Pepper and just listen to it though. Right. Um, moving on. Do you guys collect anything? Comics, baseball cards, merch, toys? Uh, closest I come is like video games. I have a small collection of video games. It's a good one, though. Especially NES this, era. Yeah, the NES collection is the one that I like the most, for sure. Uh, I have a lot of my favorite games up there. But, yeah, uh, 
small video game collection. Nothing, nothing else really. I have a pretty extensive comic book collection from the '80s and '90s. Like I have like a good ten year run of every X Men, X Factor, Uncanny X Men, uh, the New Mutants. Um, Better sell that shit X-Force. while the time is hot, man. I know. I mean, I got it. And they're all in acid free bags, and they're yeah, all in dump that boxes, on the market. And I have like three of those big. Like two foot by one foot boxes. Take it into uh, what's what's the Kevin Smith comic shop show and have them and haggle the comic, with them. It's comic book guy, comic book men, yeah, comic book men, yeah. Take it in there and haggle with them. Sell yeah. it all. Yeah. I also have a couple <laughs> of boutique things like from my uncles. They I, I got bequeathed from my grandma's attic a paper shopping bag full, and most of it was like. Um, it's funny because, like, my son's the same way. Like, he's got an extensive comic connect con- uh, collection. It's all uh, Mega Man and Sonic the Hedgehog. But they had a lot of, like, uh, Donald Duck adventures and things like that, like, you know, an Archie and Veronica kind of shit. Um, mm-hmm. But they did have, like, they had, like, X-Men, I think, 51. Is that, um, is that important? Is that well, a good it was one? the first appearance of... Um, uh, Magneto's children, I believe. <laughs> Magneto has kids. Yeah, he does. He's got the okay. you know the Quicksilver they... and the was it is it Scarlet oh, Witch? Oh right, yeah, Quicksilver is his son. So it's the first appearance of them. I've got a couple of like fairly rare Superman and Supergirls from the sixties hmm. um, and fifties. Um, none of them. The X Men's in fairly good condition. Some of the others are in dodgy condition, but they're still cool. Yeah. Like I spent. Um, like the, the rougher, I put the, the nicer ones in, in bags. Cause I got these when I was 16. I was smart enough to know that I don't, I want to stop the degradation, but some of the crappier ones I just read. Yeah. And it's just interesting. Like pizza Americana. I'm going to have probably when my dad kicks it. Oh geez. I'll probably have a couple of collections dropped on me. Right. Cause he's a big baseball. <laughs> Either card me or my brother collection. It wasn't he? Uh, yeah, he has thousands and th- probably hundreds of thousands of baseball cards. And he had some nice ones, like some marquee. Yeah, he's got like a uh, Nolan Ryan rookie cards. He's got um, a couple of basketball, I think Larry Bird rookie cards and stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's got some pretty nice, a pretty nice collection there. And he's also got just a massive collection of Star Wars stuff. Yeah, I sold that when I did buy a Nintendo. Yeah, I, I sold a premium Star Wars collection for like $250 that would be worth tens of thousands today mm. of rare shit you could only get from a certain Christmas at JCPenney or Sears. Right. And or through the, the catalog. You had to cut out box tops to get the exclusive Emperor yep. Palpatine from Captain Crunch right. or like all this stuff. The and see-through I just, Obi-Wan. Yeah, some some sweaty 25-year-old nerd took candy from a baby mm-hmm. so I could feed my video game And addiction. now he's on comic book men Probably it, it was for it, his that, wedding. That man was Kevin Smith. Oh, <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> the Kevin's about the same age as me, so that <laughs> yeah. wouldn't be. But yeah, I remember it was at a garage. It was at a, I advertised it in a, like a local paper during my mom's garage sale. And this dude bounced up, you know, the proto nerds uh, and, yeah. and, and bought, bought, bought out the lot. And he's, he's doing well for himself. I mean, none of it was boxed up though. So like it wouldn't mm-hmm. be worth tippy top, but. This is a pretty cool collection. Played with. I don't. I actively try not to collect things now. Like I'm yeah. getting. I'm divesting myself of physical media. Yeah, like I, I all but have except for the game. I ought to get like I have an extensive DVD collection and like a little bit of a blue. I, there's a couple I want to keep, like my box sets of Game of Thrones and The Wire and stuff like that. But like mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff, like I used to buy. You know, it's a choice between paying Blockbuster five bucks and maybe forgetting to rent it and all that, or just going to Best Buy on release day and getting it for fourteen bucks. I just bought the fucking thing. 
Right. Because I wanted to see the special features and whatnot. But I'm, I'm trying to actively get rid of all that stuff. Uh, books. I got a Kindle. Like, I used to, I never right. thought I would get rid of, and I got a couple that I'm keeping, like, you know, a, a sentimental, but yeah, books. Like, I, I can keep all my collection and then some on my Kindle. So, uh, final question Did Adnan do it? Well, this is a the answer is one. obviously no. Well, the answer isn't obviously no. The answer is not beyond a reasonable doubt. That's the thing. I could easily be persuaded that Adnan did it. I think right. there are some facts that are that are suggestive of that, but I also sure. don't think that that is answerable with the investigation they did. No, no, I do not think so. And that's I I doubt I'll ever serve on a jury because if they ever ask me something like that, I would be like no way, man. Like, you have to – I, I want to see some hardcore, like, more than circumstantial. Right, that's the whole point too of smart, beyond reasonable I'm too doubt. smart and too skeptical for them to put me on a jury. Yeah, they never would. So, They'd be like, well, this guy can't be swayed. Right. Uh, Gretel B., have you guys noticed a difference in your podcasting approach since last year? Specifically to me, Jim has really opened up, particularly in the Halt and Catch Fire and Mr. Robot podcast. What? Opened up? What does that even I mean? Fu- I don't I, – I have no idea. I feel like I'm fundamentally <laughs> – the same kind of podcaster I was when I started, but here's the real the real uh, eye opener. I went back and I listened to because the anniversary came up. I went back and I listened to the original Power Play. Oh yeah, holy shit, that's a different <laughs> podcast. There is zero energy. I made huge mistakes. I put music behind all of it, and like, oh god, it was so bad. To be fair, I think you did that to cover the hiss in the background. I think so because I remember just I think. Um, seeing that in a forum conversation because we also dusted off the old forums the fact right? we, they're we, still up we google sleuth those and that was a riot yeah so i i mean thanks i guess i don't know if opened up as a good thing then i, I appreciate it yeah your mouth ma- ever since the game of thrones podcast your mouth has been open and receptive <laughs> right that's the key i i now sit here slack jawed <laughs> uh z74 all uh, from Kansas says, if you were to put your co-host personality in your significant other's body, would you stay with them? Ooh. No. Oh, no, I don't think so. No. no, you're too stubborn. You're too stubborn, man. I you're think we too, would get into arguments. You're too a lot of the time because uh, more important things happen. You're you're too emotionally closed off and unavailable. Well, of course. Like when we lived together, I there would date me. There would be a time like <laughs> where you would just disappear for a week in your room, and I wouldn't see you. And I'm like, this yeah. is fucking weird. Like I'm starting to feel uncomfortable. And well, then like, do you are you mad at me? And then you'd come back down, and like everything would be cool. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like yeah, that that <laughs> shit would. I'd be slipping my wrist. I need me time. A lot of me time. Yeah, yeah. I'm a very I'm a very private, reserved person most of the time. That's the thing. Like the difference. Like me and Cecily are very connected. That like we hang out. Like. All the time, like, really, pretty much all the time, right? Like, um, and I think I need that in a, a permanent partner. Yeah, if I'm going to hang out with somebody, it's usually like doing something. Yeah, like, I don't just necessarily want to hang out. Usually, sometimes but. it's not enmeshed because like she goes out with her girlfriends and does stuff, and like you know, I'm not jealous or like right. that. But it's just like I, if if there's a person, if if I'm spending time in my house, I prefer her to be around. Yeah. Michael G says, I'm always interested in the daily routines of folks who present. By the way, you're pretty fucking stubborn, too. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, that's this, why I think it would be a bad mix. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It'd be oil and oil. Like, we can we can manage it when it's just the business, but if it was business and personal. Pleasure? Ooh, and pleasure. Well, the pleasure would be fine, I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, Michael G says, I'm always interested in the daily routines of folks who produce creative content, writing films, podcasts. What sort of daily routines or rituals do you guys repeat that works for your creative process 
or menial tasks. There's something I like to say. A burrito a day keeps the writer's block away. That's <laughs> I don't have I don't have like daily routines. I mean the the one thing we do that keeps us on task is we set deadlines. Essentially the network and, and executives are our bosses. Yeah, we don't even have like we don't set deadlines. There are deadlines. Yeah. That when a show, done, a, a show airs, we have to have a podcast out within 48 hours. Right. Minimum. That's 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 and, the the commitment from us to you. Right. And then it's not really like a daily routine because obviously the shows change and our schedule changes, but it's it's just a rule. I, I think my organizational revolves around the blank Google Doc. Like every project, every skit, every podcast, every playthrough, it all begins with a blank Google Doc. And we brainstorm mm. and flesh it. If, if, yeah. if, if for the podcast, is different because I know you and I have a very different process as far as how we watch it. But, like, I usually try to watch one show for pleasure. The second show, I, I keep real-time notes. And I'm a fast typer and I, I, I'm a good condenser. And I just real-time try to type out what is being is happening on the screen and to that, I then make a pass where I put – usually I don't have to put notes of things I want to, to, to say. But if there are some things, like some, some subtle things I, I, I want to get down, I will then, to that scaffolding, attach those. And then the other part is I dump all of the email and sometimes forum stuff into a document. And then I edit that until I get down to the magic 15 to 17 pages that I can read including my show notes and then it's a, that's 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 the, that's the day. And that's my basic process as well. I think I approach um I think I approach outlining an episode differently but not not extremely differently. But yeah, I, I do the same thing like one pass for pleasure on a TV show, one pass for notes um and really thinking about what I'm saying on the podcast as much as possible. Uh and you know, when I do feedback, I do it the exact same way. Which I think is any other routines, but man, there really isn't. Like we are really yeah. all over the map, and you have to be because some nights we're here. We start we start our show at nine o'clock at night, and some nights we start the show at seven p.m. watching a movie, and we're working until eleven o'clock midnight. Like, and it changes every week. So yeah, routines in our jobs don't really don't really fit in. We try to check in with each other, like when you're going to be there the next day, and and uh, sometimes when things are like right the last three weeks, we actually sat down to take the time to plan every day because we knew if we didn't shit would get we could get hard with the studio move and the rocket city nerd con but that's we and we used to do that all the time but i guess our routine is just we know what we're going to do and we know when you know when the shows are on and all that so right what content do we need to produce yes. and we kind of know the things we need to do to get it done and when we have slack time that's when we do the things like quit your pitching and brainstorming new ideas and the video game playthroughs and mm-hmm. you know so SJ and eighty. How many times we got to download this shit before Patrick Stewart says congrats? Wh- what the I, fuck? This I feel like this is a joke from our first Q and A. Is it? I think so. Oh man. Well, I kudos uh, for out outdoing us in bald move knowledge, which is not extraordinarily hard to do. Yeah, we forget a lot of stuff. Yeah, uh, but it's five more times. The answer is five more. <laughs> It would be sweet if we could get Patrick Stewart like at the, to say something cool about Bald Move because he yeah. is the like if you don't know the entire Bald Move revolves around a Patrick Stewart Jean Luc Picard joke that we used to make as kids right so it would be like the universe folding in on itself if he were to congratulate Bald Move on air for anything but I messed up my 
my earlier joke, it should be four more times. Oh. There, there are four more times. Uh, so he'll never congratulate us now. Mm. Mm. He demands uh, exact numbers from his uh, geek audience. And, and I mean, I don't know. Like, sometimes he's like, what, 80? He's old. Does he remember any of the shit that he did for Next Generation? He probably remembers jokes that him and Jonathan Frakes told each other, but... But could he remember three? Like, was it three or four or five? Fuck, I don't know. Watch the right. episode. You nerds know it. Look, you what? <laughs> right. I don't remember any of that. Right. Oh, uh, Walnut Frey. Congrats again, guys. Would you guys consider doing a Black Mirror series? There are seven episodes on Netflix with six more on the way this fall. I think it would be right up your alley. We have something in the works, and that's all I can say. Okay. I have no promises on time or content or form, but there is something... Something, um, so, something Black Mirrorish in the bald new future. Okay. Uh, Fern from New York City. You both live in a world of demolition men. Man, the Sylvester. You've seen Sylvester, Sylvester Sloan's Demolition Man, yes. Uh, Sandra Bullock. They wipe their asses with three seashells. I think so. Wesley Snipes. But it's been so long, I couldn't tell you. Well, fortunately, you don't need any uh, demolition man knowledge. Right. Um, there was a fast food chain. Wars, right. fast food wars. Uh, who wins? You can't pick high-end fast food like Chipotle. What? You, yep, Chipotle. What do you consider high-end fast food? I think Chipotle is that that bar. That's like it. Jimmy John's is, is like. Are you spending more than seven bucks to feed one person? If so, it's it's high-end. You can spend more than seven to Jimmy John's. Sure. How can you spend less than five? You can get a slim. Yeah. <laughs> But that's not really food. Yeah, that's just bread that's and a saying. slab of so meat. So like, like the boot, like you know, uh, I, I think that would well, no Subway. I think has has slummed its way to the bottom. It used to $5 be boutique. Footlongs. There you go. Yep. Um, but uh, no, no. Let's keep it the low end fast in fast food chains. You know the okay. list: McDonald's, Wendy's, Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut. How the fuck did it sneak in I mean, because it's low quality. I get Domino's. Well, but in that space, is Domino's. Oh, God, yeah. Domino's is the fast food pizza. It's, pizza Hut is pretty shitty, but it's, it's light years Little beyond. Caesars. I think I actually or think CC's. Domino's is the worst. CC's, yeah, but they are a buffet. Like, you, you know Right. What, like, that's right. like complaining about going to Golden Corral and getting shit. Like, well. Oh, what if Golden Corral You step wins? up to the pig, pig trough. You're gonna you're gonna get. I can't get live slopped. in a future where Golden Corral has won the fast food wars. All right, well it's not low. Well it's low end, but it's not fast food. It's <laughs> okay. sit down. You can't. Fair enough. You can't drive. It has to have a drive through window. Okay, can we right. agree to that? But I want the wars to be brutal. I don't want like I want the the lowest common denominator to succeed here. Right. So I'm going with White Castle. I think of That's all. A, plus their 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 defense their defensive position from within the castle. Well, that's like fair, Burger yeah. King. Fine, you got no castle. Yeah, White Castle's got Come the walls on and, take and the moat. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, and and Burger King, your way or it's right. Like, also, I feel like White Castle could fight dirty. Well, like White Castle might they, actually like slip some they of the burgers dirty, in like your their food. kitchens. Yeah, like their grease traps. <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, I had a hankering for um, uh, White Castle, and we were out late what, looking at houses with a realtor about two weeks ago. I and did this. Too. I was in I was yeah. in the hood, and I decided to hit up an, a, a, a White Castle, and oh boy, and they're was, goddamn delicious. They really are. Those burgers are so fucking good, but they, they you cannot eat them all the time. Like I didn't even make it home before my stomach started gurgling. <laughs> right, <laughs> like. It was Keanu Reeves running, mopeding away from the nuclear blast. I had to get get home. 
Uh, White Castle's pretty strong. I have a soft spot for Burger King, though. Yeah? I mean, the Whopper was, like, my go-to from 16 to 20. Like, a Whopper combo. I feel like that was Sometimes uh, when I was feeling strong, I did the double Whopper combo. Like we have, we have a pretty good history with fast food because when when you go on field service for the J Dub knocking on doors, yeah, knocking on doors, everybody stops at fast food. Yep, because there's you don't have time. no time for a real lunch. You got to save souls, man. You can't you can't go to a sit down restaurant. Some right. heathens do. So I have sampled my fair share of fast food. Sure, and I will tell you, the Taco Bell is the king of fast food. Well, you got shockingly fat off I know. Taco Bell at some point. It's, I didn't know you during so that time, good. but I've seen pictures and it was crazy. Like that's that's like faces of meth level devastation yeah. <laughs> that you did to yourself. <laughs> it's it's incredibly depressing how good that food feels. Can I ask to you eat. how did you get that big off Taco? Like what were what was your daily routine for Taco Bell? Because like uh, Chipotle I, you're you're muscling down 1200 calories every time you swallow one of those things. So uh, what the it's hell? Supposed to do 1000. Oh, well, okay. and and also I don't do it twice a day. So like I'll oh, eat a I'll eat did. a burrito. You did it twice. You were yeah. doubling down on. Taco I was ba- Bell. I lived on Taco Bell for like two years in a row. So what was uh, what was your lunch? What was your dinner? Uh, well, since they did away with the the big ass nachos, whatever those were called. Oh yeah, the 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 grand uh, nacho grande XL or XXL. Yeah, it was called something else before. Yeah, I know what you before mean. that. Um. But they did away with that, so I switched over to the grilled stuff burrito, and I, I'd get a grilled stuff burrito, and I'd get um, uh, the cheesy gordita crunch, mm. and that that's a whopping like that's like nineteen hundred calories. Man. Oh, is it? Okay, it's I, a lot. Yeah, and I would do that twice a day, and that's how you get fat. Right. <laughs> that's what the fast food wars looks like, people. Yep. It's, there's no winners, only losers. There's no Sylvester Stallone in that world. The only way to win is not to play. Yes. <laughs> or to be White Castle, I guess. Um, and I tell you what, if White Castle won, they wouldn't be wiping their asses with three shells. You would need a whole roll of bounty. If White <laughs> Castle's right. won the fast food wars, you would just uh, you would go to the bathroom with a roll of bounty. Uh huh. Um, they would give that to you instead of napkins. You would get rolls. One of roll of paper. bounty. Yeah. Yep. It's for your face. It's for it's for both ends of your <laughs> digestive tract. Uh, Doctor Kin, how close is the new studio to a Chipotle? Chipotle farther than it should be. Um, also farther than it used to be. Yeah, like it was Burrito Town was across the street. It's now about a, what, five-minute drive, I'm guessing? Yeah, something like that. It's one point something miles away, 1.4, 1.6. We do have a subway in the lower uh, level of our office, vomit. though. I, I like subway. <laughs> I can't stand it. Huh. It's the lowest rung of sandwiches, in my opinion. I just think but... it's hilarious that you hate. Like I th- Anyway, this is a longstanding argument. <laughs> but the gap, the daylight between Jimmy John's and Subway... I feel like you think it's the Grand Canyon, and I think it's a mm. sidewalk. I think it's a sidewalk crack that you found your first porno in. Right. <laughs> right. I don't know how to argue that because, like, it's a purely subjective thing. But your your hatred for Subway is hilarious to me. Yep. Uh, Gan, how are you guys an officially unofficial podcast without an official network or actual official podcast? Say the Breaking Bad Insider saying you're not unofficial and unaffiliated. Would that not make you unofficially unofficial? So I get what... So he's saying we need to start some beef. We, that's true. We need to yeah. we need to raise our head to the level that someone can whack it. Right. The, why, so that's, a, why, that's a fair point. I don't even remember how we came up with officially unofficial. Uh, because we are definitely not official. 
in no way are we official. Therefore, I we think are... that's we wanted we wanted to stake out early on like this idea of independence that we were yeah. not because because we a lot of the fan podcasts that we had sampled and listened to uh, seemed to be just incapable of saying anything bad. Right, like, like almost like, oh my God! If Vince Gilligan hears this, maybe we'll be tapped for an official, right, in some kind of official capacity, or like we'll the be, funny thing is that interning. that is probably a possibility at this point for us. Yeah, like, if, we, if we would, if we would take our language but, to PG thirteen and, yeah, and right. suck just a little dick. No, no, not interested. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not fun. Like just, just to be, be on TV, in. just to get famous. No, you are totally not interested in that. I'm not very yeah. interested in it. And honestly, I think it's cooler just doing it on our own steam. Like at this point, like I'm not saying right. that HBO came and said, "Hey, we want you for." But the thing is, is like after I saw after the thrones i had high hopes that that the hbo is going to give them the wiggle room like this is an exceptional show and and those guys greenwald and what's his face are not going to consistently slag it Mm -hmm. but there's certainly problems early on and there's the aria fiasco that they don't even acknowledge right like you watch that show you have no idea that what the fan base is actually talking about and i think that's dumb yeah we're not we're not an official show because we talk about what the fans talk about here's the thing the the thing that would never happen. Let me construct an un, an impossible scenario: is that a network like HBO or something comes to us and says, "Hey, we want you to do an official show for us." Great, where awesome. You, where you can't you can't say bad things about the show. Oh, but it's also not exclusive, and you can talk on your own podcast as bad as you want about. Oh, it. Oh, that would be cool. Because I would get on the podcast and I would ravage the fucking show. Uh, or savage it in the in the ways that I think it should be savaged right on my podcast while I could still like i I could talk about the positives right on their show and then I'd come on my show and I would say what I actually think about the show I don't think they'd give you that deal right that's right. what I mean like like no network is gonna contr- do that. like lack of control that, that right seems if, like imagine it, if Chris Hardwick got on the air on his network afterward on and the just nerdist savage the oh walking my god game. I cannot believe they pulled this shit with Negan <laughs> right? I cannot even believe and I have yeah. to sit there and I have to pretend that I like it yeah like I said, because I can do, I mean, I, I've done professional gigs for money right. where I didn't necessarily agree with or like what I was doing, but, you know, like, you got you to gotta let me tell the truth someplace. Yeah. Um, Travis from California, with all the emphasis on intellectual property on TV these days, for each of you separately, uh, consider financial success, such as branding, marketing, a great show, potential movie franchise, total cash cow, and B, personal pleasure. On those two axes, if you were to get carte blanche from a network to snatch up any untapped piece of IP and build it into a show, which would you choose? So I think he wants us to pick two. Okay. One, purely for financial success, and B, purely for personal pleasure. Or maybe he wants us to maximize both. I'm not really clear. I, I, I interpreted it as one for A and one for B. Okay, I did too. Okay, good. So I, my A for financial success, I think it's ripe. I think it's ready for a reboot. All the pieces are in place. Home Alone. Home Alone uh, needs to be rebooted. And I talked about this a couple of weeks ago on something, maybe a lunch. Might have been a lunch. I remember that conversation. Got to be rebooted. I think you it's should. Ripe. I think every ten years, yeah, you should roll out because that's another generation, and plus the parents will be in on it. Yep. Uh, yeah, and like, you always get changing ready. in techno- techno- technology and what's considered threatening and <laughs> right. Right. Uh, you could do different areas of the city and or every, different areas of the country and different cultures and people and Yep. Yeah, it'd be cool. Where do you find how do you replicate 
the cuteness of Macaulay Culkin, though. I mean, they, screaming those, into those, a mirror. Those guys come like you had the Jonathan Lipnicki, you had the Haley Joe Osmond. I mean, they roll around right. off the terminate turnip truck about every five to ten years. That's so true. Just get maybe the that's when and... maybe that's it. You don't have a set schedule. Right. It's just when the chosen one appears. <laughs> right here comes the executives with the golden and pin. It's as foretold. As foretold, the rosy cheek. <laughs> uh, uh, be dimpled. Uh-huh. Be freckled. Yeah, child comes comes forth. Right. Um, see rosy cheeks. That's like in, that's, that seems like it's got to be a white kid. And I was intentionally trying to say with this, like maybe we get some black kids or some Latino kids. But you say sure. you cast a rosy cheek kids, and I feel like that's that's eliminating. What if what if you had I'm fucking doing it? What if you had gr- snatched onto a, a young Donald Glover for a Home Alone? Jesus, I'm go sure back he in was time talented. To get Don- yeah, yeah, cute as hell, cute as hell. There you go. Uh, and then you get Danny Glover then to be the father. His dad. <laughs> Shit, yeah, this shit writes itself. Right. Okay, so there you go. There's your financial success. What's your personal pleasure? I feel like maybe a Legend of Zelda series. I don't know why Nintendo gave up so easily on Zelda as as a thing in TV. Because they used to have the every Friday for the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, they shit, instead yeah. mm-hmm. do a Legend of Zelda cartoon. As I used to call it, the good part. Right. My, my That's idiot the brother part and that sister love Super Mario Brothers and all that stuff, but I They're was foolish. watching for the Zelda. Uh <laughs> They are they are fools. Legend of Zelda is where it's at, and I feel like they could do it right. They really could. It doesn't have to be a cartoon. It could be even a live action, just kids adventure show. But right. like Legend of Zelda would be sweet. That also reminds me that like there's used to be a Saturday morning show called like the Saturday Morning Action Zone or something. And you never knew when you got up at like because it was on one of the the other channels. It wasn't on the major networks. It was on your you know. Uh, in whatever the CW was before it was. Hmm. Um, but it, it's like you never knew whether you're going to get the Inhumanoids or whether you're going to get Jim and the Holograms. <laughs> okay. So every Sunday at 7.30, or every Saturday at 7.30, my sister and I would scamper downstairs, and one of us would be dejected and bummed, <laughs> and one of us would be elated. And it's right. like, I, I almost feel like the executives, like, you know what brothers and sisters want? To hate each other's guts. And let's 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 do counter programming, not like one after another, but let's just like one time, one week is going to be one thing, one's going to be the other. Oh man! And I think there was an like an early proto X Men in there too. Oh wow! Um, but yeah, crazy. Uh, all right, strong. Uh, for a financial success, uh, mixing a little bit of pleasure in here too, because I'd like to see it. The I've said this a bunch of times, but the Dresden Files by mm. Jim Butcher, I think, would make an outstanding movie series. If you cast the right guy, because each book is a year in the life of Harry Dresden, or it takes place a year from each other. So you get the right guy, you could make this fucking thing for 15, 20 years. Who do you cast? As, I don't know. You'd have, to go to, you'd have to go to the Reddit subreddit, or the, the subreddit for Dresden Files, and they're, they're a bunch of idiots. They cast a bunch of stupid shit. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. Okay. Um, I actually think Timothy Oliphant 10 years ago would have been perfect. Jake Gyllenhaal. Because he's kind of got like that laid back, I sardonic, you know. The, the 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 conceit, if you've not heard me pitch this a million times, is that it's a in modern day Chicago there is an actual wizard, like a Merlin style wizard that operates, but no one believes him because it's the modern day. So he 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 essentially gets cranks to come in, and he finds like 
like you've lost your necklace, he can fucking divine your location. Or if you're looking for a lot, sometimes he gets, you know, some honest to goodness cases. But inevitably, you know, the Council of Wizards comes and there's some demonic force attacking Chicago. And that's like his real job. But he's Mm -hmm. perpetually broke and he drives a jalopy and technology doesn't work around him because he causes it to explode. It's 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 funny. Um, So I would do that. I, I would love to see that for for. And also, like, you could play video games, you could have action figures, you could have kind of, like, the spinoffs are are real. Hmm. Um, and then the other one is Patrick O'Brien's Master and Commander series. I would love for HBO to do that and just do the entire fucking saga, because there's another one where you could get that, it could be a five to ten year project, you could get the people cast, they age, like, realistically, and there's just so much great, like hilarious things happen like i was moved to tears several times reading all 20 of those books it's my all-time favorite series my son my firstborn is named after the main character in a series um i i would some someday someone they they made their awesome russell crowe uh paul bettany version big budget the far side of the world which i thought was great Hmm. so just do that do that as a series hbo and and you will make one person happy. Uh, Lil TC Davis from Virginia says, "Want to know what your most irrational fear is?" Most irrational fear, uh, I think mine is. Uh, I'm a, a big horror movie buff, and every time I watch them, and this part of the thrill of watching horror movies is you get scared of the things that are in those movies, right? Yeah, like ghosts. Monsters. Like, I know that a shit's not nun. real. <laughs> this is why it's irrational. I know that shit's not real, of course, but you still get the hairs standing up on the back of your neck. It works on a purely physiological level, yeah. Right, as you're, like, trying to go to sleep that night or something, right? Like, Sure. So, irrational, certainly. That's my biggest irrational fear. Uh, mine is either spiders or heights, because I have, like... Uh, 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 I I wish I wasn't. I don't feel like either of these are rational, though. No, but like I mean, heights. Like if I'm standing at the Grand Canyon with a railing between me and it, right? Okay. I would literally get vertigo. I might fall over the railing because of my fear of heights. <laughs> right. If I watch one of those things, occasionally gets on the front page of Reddit where there's a cable repair guy that's climbing a 1500 foot tower. Yeah. Like literally, my knees like feel weak when I when he when the camera looks down or when he's taking his safety wire and moving it for, and the only thing that's holding him on is his four fingers mm-hmm. and thumb and like I it just almost makes me physically ill and it's a purely like in video games if I jump off like an incredible height in a first person shooter and look down yeah. it gets it it makes me kind of sick okay. and like that's that's, yeah. that's that's why roller coasters still work on me because I'm just that first hill just scares the shit out of me <laughs> so there you go yep um, Kiss My Grit says, if you could reboot any TV series not currently on air, what would it be? I really enjoyed your Magnum PI podcast, but somehow is appalled that it's coming back. No Selleck and no Stash. Yeah. Conversely, uh, Twin Peaks, bring it on. Ugh. Not a Twin Peaks fan. Um, Firefly. That's great. great I, I, and I don't even know that I'd reboot it with new actors. I think I might just reboot it with the same actors. Well, if they're going to reboot it, they better get it on, get busy. Right, because those, those people are all getting old. Yes, um, it's going to be you know Star Trek six before without Star Trek's one through five if they don't hurry up. That's like number one for me. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, another sci-fi series, Earth Final Conflict. 
the last oh, series right. that Roddenberry Green or wrote before he died. Yeah, the first season I think is incredible, and for some reason, because of budgeting or production or whatever, they had to write off the main stars and essentially reboot season two, and it was shitty. Yeah, but it had cyberpunk. It had like what it means to be human and alien human hybrids and dark alien conspiracies and governmental conspiracies and weird biotechnology and a sturdy leading man and. Uh, it, I I love that show, and it I was I've ne- I think my most bitter disappointment is tuning in for season two, and seeing what and knowing that it was over, like you know this is the, the, yeah. the you know it's this per- this is now a vegetable on life support. It's time to pull the plug, right? So, uh, also, what is the next step for Bald Move? Expand the network, hire some staff, world domination. Just some suggestions, yo. Yes. We're de- I mean, our one of our priorities in 2017 is to ex- expand the staff by at least one person. Yes. So uh, if we don't do that, I will consider it a failure. And I don't see that, that happening. So, yeah, that will be the big – I mean, we already moved into a new office. Um, you know, I, yeah. think, I think hiring staff is also going to help us expand the network. Um, but, yeah, those are, those, those are, are, are th- ways we're wanting to go. Yeah, I mean, the the big one for me that I see in the future that's kind of within reach is just getting into YouTube because... Yeah, that's an untapped audience. There's just millions of people on there. Lots of, lots of television content movie we're producing, yeah. we're just not releasing it there. Sure, so, and we're trying to up our game insane. with our camera game and, yeah. you know... But yeah, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to, that, that's, that's, you know, it's essentially the same content, you're just releasing in a different form. Like, that seems like a no-brainer. Yeah. And the, the third staff person is going to be uh, – that's going to be one of their prime job responsibilities is probably video and audio editing. Uh, also, what is your prediction on who wins the U.S. Ele- ele- election? Can Trump really do it? I'm in the U.K. and after Brexit, I can imagine <laughs> the worst. I mean, I was I, – I, it certainly it's, – it's, I definitely wouldn't want anyone to get complacent if you want to see Trump defeated because but, – but on the other hand, I woke up this morning and looked at 538.com and – their polls plus forecast has got uh, him at less than twenty percent chance, right? And they've they've successfully picked the last like three or four U.S. elections. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure it'll be Clinton. Uh, That's funny because whatever we, you think of that, we live in like there are so many Trump signs and Trump bumper stickers. We live in the land of Trump. Uh, Cincinnati is a very conservative urban area, yeah, and suburban especially. So, um, and like I, I got family members that are hardcore Trump fans, so. It's it's hard to wrap Manula around sometimes, but um, yeah, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. And also, like I tell my son, because like he gets like he has anxiety disorder and he gets gets scared of nuclear war. And I've spent the last fucking five years telling him why this will never happen. And this asshole brings nuclear war to the forefront of discussions, and he's scared. Yeah. And I'm like, even if he won, it's not going to be the end. Like, America's been around for 250-ish years. We've survived a no-shit civil war. The Republic shall stand at the end of whatever happens. So, sure. That's what I tell him and myself. <laughs> Speaking of, can we have Aaron's son back in the show? He totally made the Goonies cast. I, dude, he wants to be all the time. And I think that I feel like... I really don't want to expose him to this kind of stuff until he's, like, at least 13, and also, I think there's a fine line between it being cute and insufferable, and I don't want it to go <laughs> past that for anybody. Right. So maybe we should have like a special kids version of a podcast for a show that we 
Well, I thought about like, like have him time, watch it with you and then just give his thoughts. Real I quick thought about it. like like w- w- the last time we saw like uh, Kub- uh, Kubo and the two strings. Like shit, I should have had J- uh, Jack on the show and have him talk about it or Mind Dragon as he likes to refer himself to. Or when like the new Destiny expansion comes out, geek out with him about that. And like I don't care if anyone listens to it. It's you know right. like like people like. Uh, um, uh, kiss my grits we could 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 enjoy it and other people can can miss it but uh, i would say when, in about three years look for his channel on youtube because he has a lot to say <laughs> <laughs> and he's been sitting at the feet of the fucking youtube masters for the last year or so yeah uh bought and paid nine from new jersey if you could go anywhere in the world for one week at any point in time a where b when and c why this is a time travel geography question jim uh, I spent like two minutes thinking about this, so I have a couple answers. Can, okay. I, can I die? Like, sure. N- well, <laughs> I don't want to. The whole point is I don't want to. So yes, I can die wherever I go. Like if I go to a dangerous place and I get killed, I'm dead. Uh, okay, let's put it that you're like reasonable guarantee. Like unless you went looking, like you could go to a Civil War battlefield on the outskirts, but unless you like walked in the middle of the Union and okay. Rebel Army, you're going to survive. That's kind of where I'm going with it, because like. I think it would be, like, one of the most awe-inspiring things probably to ever see in the existence of humanity would be, like, the Battle of Verdun Verdun or something. Like, I would just like to know what that feels like to be there. Because you hear the descriptions, and it seems, like, you know, crazy. I can't even imagine it, honestly. Like, I, I can hear the words, and I can try and put a picture in my head, but... It doesn't do it justice, I'm sure. I mean, you, you talk about these these battlegrounds that used to be forest and fields, and they describe them as lunar. Right. Like, after a few days of shelling, and like, what is that like? What is that like? And what is it like to live through that kind of ordinance? That's I, that was one of my picks too, is to go back and like, and, and maybe even go to like Marathon of Thermopylae to see like what it looks uh, like when ten thousand dudes with swords clashes with ten thousand right. other dudes with swords, and also, how brutal would that be? Um, yeah. And I, I, I like to go back in the like some kind of Roman times, like late Roman, because I, like, it seems like Roman culture was surprisingly modern in, like, its politics and its culture and its technology even. And I would like to see what, um, like, you know, an early medieval or even late classical period city, like, what did Rome look like? Is it, like, you know, pretty much what you see in Gladiator? Uh, Is it better than that? Is it worse than that? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, or what did London look like in the 1400s? That would be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, Uh, I also thought maybe like go back to the homebrew computer clubs, like the very beginning of that, which mm -hmm. is like, if you don't know, it's the one that was Steve Wozniak and and Jobs were involved in and, you know, kind of the invention of the the personal computer. Right. Uh, I, I would really love to go back there and spend a week and just see it. Um. I mean, yeah, I mean, the, 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 but the bottom line is I feel like we're living kind of at the pinnacle of human civilization. And if you go back, it's for, it'd be for curiosity. I don't want to live there. Oh, right. Yeah. I'll you spend know, a week, but like, bring me back. I like modern technology. I like modern dentistry, dentistry. I like modern financial and social systems. I like modern justice systems and, and human rights. So let me ask you this. If you could go forward into the future that. for just a week and then come back. Well, I mean, I think we like, talked about this. What events, I guess, would you like to see, and what you think? is I would the like future. to see the first human colony that's off-world. But that's okay. the thing. Like, uh, I mean, if, if you couldn't, if you had to do like Back to the Future style, Doc Doc Brown dial in a number, like, 
the temptation is to go like a thousand or ten thousand years, but you could be right. in a post-apocalyptic or a human a, a Earth sterile. Yep. And you know, like, but if you go like twenty years into the future, shit, you might like that's probably hardly even different. Right. You know, you're not going to get floating cars and hoverboards. So yeah, but yeah. Plus, I, plus, with this idea that you don't get to stay there, right? Um, that's different. You just get to glimpse at what the future is going to be like, and then come back. I would like to see the the like uh, a human colony off world a hundred years after it's established. I think that would be really cool. Because yeah, that's long that enough, neat. like, you'd have, like, people on Mars born on Mars, and what does that mm-hmm. do to their... Because then human evolution starts kicking in again. Yeah. You got, like, what, a third of Earth gravity? Go watch the colony. Yeah. Well, that's 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 <laughs> People on cool. Mars get tall. Or, like, I think there's the that Red Mars, Mars, Blue Mars, Green Mars trilogy that's super oh, yeah. interesting that talks about that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then he has a follow-up. Have either of you seen Ozzy and Jack's World Tour on History Channel? I think you guys really dig it. I haven't even heard of it. No, me either. History Channel is not one that uh, rolls around on my... Uh, although I, st- I did... That's not true. I started watching Dan Harmon's um, whatever his 15-minute night night class shorts were that he did with his sidekick Spencer. Hmm. They were hugely entertaining. Um, Chiden 2 from L.A. Have you guys ever written or considered writing a piece of fiction, a novel, a screenplay, a teleplay, etc.? I think you might be pretty good at it, given the countless hours you spent dissecting the nuances of what works and what doesn't in film and television. <laughs> uh, kinda. I don't know. I've played around with it. Uh, I did a NaNoWriMo once. Mm-hmm. That was that. a colossal failure. It's about time to start. I started getting emails. The NaNoWriMo, oh, shit, you're right? NaNoWriMo guilt guilt mails. Oh, we have so much to do in November. One of these years, I'm going to take November off, except for maybe the bare minimum podcast and try that fucker because I've got a right. couple of solid ideas. Um, I did the, I, the same year you did it. I tried because I've had this idea kicking around of this dystopian Walmart satirical future, right? Where essentially the world is like these city stores that on the one side is a Walmart and you have a massive. You have a massive parking lot, and there's like Walmart apartments, and every you don't have citizens, you have employees. The ruling par- uh, party is Sam's Club, uh, <laughs> and it actually has a patch with a fist holding a club. And you know, like what a person, what a what a sales associate in that society, what their daily routine is. Hmm. Um, and I got like twenty five thousand words. And that was like on October twenty fifth, and I I tapped out. And there's a lot of that where like anytime I got to like anytime I got to <laughs> anytime I got to a point where I couldn't I I had I had a writer's block I took that scene and just whatever's doing everyone shit their pants. <laughs> Okay. So there's like four or five vignettes where people are having a conversation. I got stuck, and then everyone just shit their pants. And I I wrote in detail like what that sounded and send the reactions oh people God. had and why is this happening oh to try to break it and just get to right. the next scene because that's the whole point of NaNoWriMo. It's not about like making a finished book. You just write. It's about getting it's those about words. Getting thirty five hundred words a day. Shit it out. <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, I love it. Uh, and also, so I, Jason Hattery, he commissioned also, me to I write. Also, that could be a whole that could be a whole genre of fiction. Have you seen some of the shit that's on Amazon? Mm-mm. Like the shit your pants genre could become a thing. You really? should just publish those. You should it's just like it's like Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters or Pride and Prejudice yeah. and Zombies, only with but worse. Like, Jane. So I go write in Jane Austen, where everyone just shits their pants and never seen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Mister Darcy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay. 
So I also so J- Jason Hattery, who did the artwork on my first Walking Dead book, mm-hmm. um, he commissioned me to write a, a comic book series with him, and which I did. I, I think I banged out the first four issues, and he's got the art done for the first one. Um, but like I haven't heard from him for like over a year. Um, I know he got busy and like all that kind of stuff. But he was trying to serious. I and I've written a lot of fan fiction. Back in my younger days, yep, Star Wars, Star Wars fan fiction. So I mean, I guess I would. I and and you and I actually tried seriously to ha- come up with some kind of animated project that we we're going to try to shop around, and that might happen again sometime in the future. But we yeah. were so impressed with Rick and Morty that we were like, "Hey, could we do something in that vein?" Um, I don't know. I, I'm just. I just feel like I'm too busy making the core thing that makes bald move successful to do that right now. And there's definitely, there's plenty of, there's plenty of time in my twilight years to write shit, write stupid shit. Yep. Uh, Jenny from Houston, any plans to review the Villigan's upcoming HBO miniseries on Jonestown? I mean, it seems kind of like a no brainer. Uh, Jenny, if you don't know, is the uh, one half of the team beyond behind the breaking bad fan fest, which is one of my top five life experiences, not involving being naked. Yep. Uh, Shit, yeah, it is a no-brainer. Like, yeah. we would have to be rolling, like, three shows, four shows deep, and I would be more inclined to bump my least favorite show from the lineup and do this yeah. on day one because you're right. This is – are you kidding me? Jonestown, Vince Gilligan? Yeah. That is going to be probably pretty horrifying. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we talk about not jumping on things on season one, but this is one of those exceptions. Yeah. It's got the pedigree. It's got our interest, much like Westworld. We're, I think we're in... we can bring a lot of interesting, informative, like you can't get anywhere else takes on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Graham says he's the one that uh, said uh, uh, looks like the first episode of Power Play came out October 12, 2006. So technically, Aaron didn't join to Blue Yonder in 2010. But still, I guess my question is, what do you guys consider to be the true beginning of Bald Move? Uh, probably when it got a name, I guess. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not sure how you feel about this, but I mean, I don't want to take any Blue credit Yonder part of that. Certainly. I don't want to take any credit for power play or gong radio or any of the blame. I don't even consider that bald move. I mean, that's no, when but, I got my start personally podcasting, but that directly is res- like, if you want to lay out the proto history of bald move that I would never have come up with the idea or we would never come up with the idea mutually right. to start bald move. If you hadn't have done that podcast and I hadn't listened and become a fan. And like, that's how I reconnected to all you guys. So like, if you want to see, I mean, I don't know that's the beginning of bald move, but that was the single cell life forum. that bald move evolved from. Right. do you want to go back? I mean, to I was the on the forum joke that bald move is based on. Do you want to go back to the first sure. time that we all met? Like right. that all seems silly to me. It's like when it got the name bald move, it became, bald move yeah that first pax east blue yonder yeah the first the very first pax east i think is when we debuted that that sucker mm-hmm. um and then i guess the other argument would be uh breaking good right is when bald move really began everything yeah. else is just messing around and then i guess yep. was the first kickstarter when we first went independent like there's lots of different i think maybe when we had the light bulb moment that hey this is our thing tv is our thing uh that you could make a good argument for that. Historians will argue. They will. Hundreds of years in the future. And we're not going to set the record straight right now in the present. Hell so no. fuck you guys. Yeah, that's part of the mystique, man. We want to be like wild stallions out of uh, Bill and Ted Exclin's adventure. We're 
Yeah. You know, people are going to greet each other by saying mildly interesting. And how about when? Uh, how about when you raised me from the dead? I mean that. That was. I mean, that's really the first official start of bald move is when I emerged from the cave and uh-huh. we we picked up the mics. There you go. Is a show called Never Again. He's <laughs> injecting some false history. Yeah. We actually deal with that historian. There's a bald move document where we were spitballing things we wanted to do, like in the far flung future. And like we had this elaborate, like if we ever got to the point where we were famous and being interviewed, mm-hmm. that we would intentionally tell mutually contradicting stories of the origins of bald move just so that it would be like the Wikipedia article would be a bitch. Yeah. Like, well, they said it was this, and like, but then in this interview, they said that, and they were this straight faced all the time. And yep. anyway, um, CSI Atlanta dancer, hmm. intriguingly named. Lo- um, I'm looking forward to NerdCon. Awesome. Hope to see you down there next week. As much as you love The Wire, have either of you watched Homicide Life on the Street? Nope. Man, no. And I don't know that it would be worth it at this point. Um, because, you know, that was like the first, like, David Simon tv thing Hmm. um and it it had a huge reputation for being a hard-boiled and hard-bitten and like an uncompromising look at these life these lives on the streets um i haven't seen the corner which was like the proto the wire so there i'd I'd probably go back and watch the corner first and if i thought i got a lot out of that i might check out some homicide but there's also a lot of it isn't there i don't know I mean, that, that's like an NBC series, I believe, which oh, means boy. there's like 24 se- episodes per season, yeah. probably four, three to four to five seasons. Wow. Um, this may have already been talked about, but is there a possible plan for lunch with Jim and Aaron in Huntsville? There is a Chipotle in Huntsville. <laughs> there, uh, there aren't any plans yet, certainly, but we're doing panels. Well, we, we, no, on Friday we've got other things going on. Right. I mean, the, the Yellowhammer Yellow Hammer brew, fe- brew house, brew, brewery, is right. where I know we'll be on Friday night if you want it. And I think it's free to attend. You don't even need a ticket. So yeah, seven um, check, check RocketCityNerdCon.org for the factuality of those statements. And also <laughs> the schedule has been posted. So if you want to know, like I, I know our Red Wedding event is going to be 7 p.m. on Saturday, which I'm pretty excited about. I just got my costume in today. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, as far as a, a, a structured bald move only meetup, I it's it's tough because we're only there for three days, and we got to get we got to leave as soon as uh, as this as the tent falls on Sunday. Saturday we got the red wedding, and Friday we got the yellow hammer. So I don't know that there'll be time, but we will have a booth that you can come by and stop by and propound us with any question you want. We might do we we thought about maybe doing a podcast from the booth, and like you know yeah. doing interviews and stuff. I don't know. We'll. We'll see. We'll see. We got a lot of structured stuff to, to, to come up with. Um, uh, Tiara from ATL, what U.S. state would you most like to live in? Oh, California. Yeah, that's up there for me. I think, but I can make an argument for Oregon, Washington, New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado, Michigan. Colorado's pretty sweet. I got to yes. say, I, the, the problem, the reason I go California immediately is because the weather is perfect. Like, I couldn't ask for better weather. Sure. If you want a little bit warmer, go down towards L.A. If you want a little bit right. colder or cooler, go up It's upstate. a big state. Yeah. Uh, Colorado, you're going to get a mix. You're going to get the hot and the cold. You're going to get so, a fuck ton of snow depending on where you're – if you're up in the right. mountains like I think you're talking about. Yeah. I wouldn't – why would I live in Colorado and not in the mountains? Yeah. If you're living in a lowland, flat, plain you Colorado – mountains looming You're doing it wrong. That's kind of cool. 
It is, but uh, I would want to live in them. Because I took a trip out there to Colorado Springs last year, this year. That was great. Yeah. I loved it. I would be surprised if I don't live in Michigan at some point in the next 10 years. I would be, and I'd be shocked if I don't end up in long, like in, in retirement after I get done with the boat or whatever, uh, in New Mexico or Arizona. Cause I think the weather and the landscape there is fantastic or, uh, Oregon or Washington. Cause I like the, the culture and the, the climate and the people there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nikki P says, here's my questions. If you were put in charge of a wealthy person's philanthropic donations, what is the top cause you would donate to? Uh, I would definitely donate to education. Uh, I think education is so fundamental for society Yeah, that, uh, I mean, without education, you can't get anywhere else. You can't get to the, the curing diseases and you can't get to, uh, getting people off the streets and not homeless. And like education is just the foundation of a nation in my opinion. It's interesting that you've settled into that because I was listening to Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History podcast, which is fantastic. Um, and he did a three-part series uh, touching on education. And there, mm-hmm. the first part, he talked about these these wealthy Californian, like you know, former Hollywood producers and businessmen that that do these like angel organizations where they try to find um, low-income, impoverished. At risk youth that have off the charts potential, Mm -hmm. like find them when they're in the like like if you wait till high school, it's too late. But try to find them in the second, third, fourth grade. The kids that are really slamming out the essay, the 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 the, the scores, and are getting high marks, and and find them and getting them into like elite academies and make sure they get to college. And and, and it, it literally. You know, there's this like immense, untapped millions of brains that are way above, you know, several standard deviations above the 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 the, the baseline intelligence scores, and they just go to shit because there's no money and there's poverty and there's drugs and there's uh, you know foster care systems that don't work. And I was really moved by both how effective and how rewarding those stories were. And I think like yeah. if I had money to burn. I mean, I think what that the, does, like the Warren Buffetts and Bill Gates are playing in, like you know, they're trying to solve AIDS in Africa and well, right. and, and that's uh, that's it's a good awesome. Goal. Yeah, but, but I don't think I'll ever be that wealthy. But if I ever did have, you know, a, a, a wealth where I didn't feel like I'd had to worry about myself or my son's future, I would like to plow every bit of that into organizations like what I just talked about. Right. I mean, it's. I do what I can right now. I donate to like Khan Academy and Wikipedia, like those kind of, you know, it's very little, Mm -hmm. but you know, it's what I can do. And I I feel like that is super important. And I think that's also like, it's, it's what David Simon's talking about in the wire. Like you're not plowing money into institutional things that you, you know, you put in a dollar and you get five cents of return. You're actually as a, as a community member and a neighbor, I'm taking this individual and right. I'm giving them the best shot and I can, I can measure my success or failure uh, very easily. And that if everybody did that, like you wouldn't need the big institutional pushes. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I totally agree. Uh, education. Um, also, Nikki wants to know what is the finest beverage you've ever drank during a podcast recording? Hmm. We have some fine beverages here. We've got the Johnny Walker Double oh, Black. We've got the Whistle Pig, uh, Diplomatico Rum. The the fanciest that I, I got um, a 16-year Lagavulin Scotch. Yeah, that's probably the fanciest. That I've broken out, I think, only one time, and that was for the season two finale of The Leftovers. 
and right. that's probably the the best thing that I've ever personally had. Period. Um, that might not. What's the best Johnny Walker? I think someone bought that for me at a convention. Not not at Bald Move convention, but at a when uh, I was shopping around a two million dollars software contract. Maybe like Johnny uh, Walker blue or green. I think it's blue. Um, I've definitely had and it's good Johnny Walker green. I had it at. Went to Nikki Blaine's in Indianapolis one time. Yeah, I remember. It's like what twenty five bucks for a glass. It's expensive, yeah, uh-huh. but it was good. Yeah, it yeah. was real good. I mean, I think everyone should try to treat themselves to within their means every once in a while. Yeah, but uh, on the uh, our day in day out drinking, Jim Bean, mm-hmm. get the get the big two liter bottle, and that's our day in day out uh, brain cell killer. Yeah. Oh, we have two other questions that revolve around our upbringing as Jehovah's Witnesses um, from Walnut Frey and Sully 82 But unfortunately, we've run out of time to get this thing out today uh, or get this thing recorded. And these are going to be long, lengthy answers. And I'm tempted to say go to baldmove.com slash about. And all of our other Q&As and our um, Reddit Q&As are all listed there at the top of the page. But I think this becomes a... These questions are slightly different enough and cover different enough ground, and this is such a frequently asked question that what Jim and I want to do is devote a single podcast to just talking about these these the the, the way we were raised and the upbringing and how it's impacted our lives and all that stuff. Um, because I don't think we can do it justice in the like ten minutes I got before I got to take off to pick up my kid. So. Be looking forward to that. It probably won't be out in the next couple of weeks as we're swamped, but be looking for that in the very near future. We'll sit down and record it, and we'll use these these questions as a base. I actually might even start a new forum thread to get like yeah. you know just get all your system. And I'm not saying we'll never talk about it again because it does come out a lot. And you know my son is still tangibly right. related to it. The the, the 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 that book has not been closed, but um, I do. I do want to get this stuff into one place, so because there's a lot of people like, well, that's already been answered. Where has it been answered? Well, on one of the other things, and you can't link to right. it, and so yeah, I want to have something that we can put there. It's like this is this is a hot, hot, hot question. So, uh, thank you very much for 20 million. We I just looked it's shocking to me. We're almost at 22 already. I know. I know. And um, the reason we become this juggernaut thing is because you guys take the time to download our podcast and contribute to them and contribute to these questions and take interest at it and ask, you know, are witty and intelligent and generous. Um, you guys enable all this and I struggle with these moments in sincerity because I certainly feel them, but I have a hard time articulating them. Sure. But I am very grateful that, uh, I, I, I lead the life I do. And thank you for, for for letting me do that. I concur. You concur. <laughs> I'm the I'm the emotional void, the robot here. Do you have any intellectual facts and you quantify your satisfaction? <laughs> no, I, I mean other than to say I absolutely Did you feel say your gratitude's at ninety seven point three percent? Yes. I, I could bump it. If if you guys donate a couple more dollars, it'll bump to ninety eight. That's just Jesse. No, I, you gotta get to Walter White's ninety nine point one. Right. Uh I, I don't know. I mean I like I said, I do concur with everything you just said. I mean, I I can't – I don't even know what my life would look like right now if it wasn't for Bald Move. Um, it'd probably be – it'd certainly be less thrilling. Um, I don't think I'd be on Team Red Bull or anything doing any crazy stunts. So, like, even our day-to-day here is a lot of fun, and it's always interesting. Uh, and it's all – like Aaron said, it's all because of you guys. So thank you very much. 
All right, we'll see you at probably 50 million. Or again, if you want to do this on a regular basis, check out uh, Lunch with Jim and Aaron. And uh, sorry we didn't have video for this time. We just fucked up. We fucked did. up the recording. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, we do the, the video lunches and the podcast version of that every week on the club at club.baldmove.com. Thanks again for your support. And uh, we will we'll see you at 50 million. See you then.